0: It's it's oh, it's 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 I see dead people. Oh, 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 here's Johnny. Stop. Oh, fuck you too. Hey, what's up everybody? sitting in here team. with today's IGN Daily system. Fix. That was uh, my best version. Of Sydney Goodman? Of Sydney Goodman? Sydney Goodman. Uh, Sydney Goodman. Sydney Goodman. Big yeah. fan, big fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, the... She's got a big smile. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's what you decided
0: to go with. Oh, it's a good, big... It's a hearty, it's a voluptuous smile. Hearty smile. I think that was who was hosting I, I was not hosting. Not, I wasn't paying. attention. commentating. Right. She was commentating. Yeah. She was doing the side The Sydney Goodman. What's up, everybody? Sydney Goodman here with IGN's Daily Fix.
1: Yeah, you, you keep saying it, but I'm just. I'm glad.
0: <laughs> I, I, I think. Don't, I don't give know. it a goog, man. Give it the goog. Give it a goog. At, at some point later. For my for
1: my alone times. For the what, times what, you find yourself. For the for the times where I'm alone at night.
0: When Just me and, and my device. When you've left your hearth and you haven't you haven't been at your hearth in more than my, Fortnite. You've left <laughs> you've left your family. I don't talk about
1: Fortnite. <laughs> you've you, uh, <laughs> Why do you turn around why do you always have to talk about
0: Fortnite? <laughs> I definitely don't. You're offended. I know. I saw it in your eyes. I played that game. You know when it first when they first announced a battle royale addition to the game. I never bought the the standalone Fortnite game. The um, the beta that they had out. You could the zombie to,
1: the zombie shelter. Yeah,
0: save the world. It was called, which is I have no idea. Is it even does it exist anymore? <laughs> they probably it probably is gone. It probably doesn't exist anymore. Um, I can't believe the people who paid money for that. And then the battle royale comes out, and that's when Fortnite booms. I, so I played for. Why am I even wasting time talking about this? I'm actually getting <laughs> fucking upset. I
1: I specifically brought it into the to the discussion because I wanted to see how far you went.
0: I'm stopping with, it right with now. talking
1: about it, that's okay. We're only we're only like thirty seconds into you talking about it. <laughs> Jesus. Which is fair. I have self control. I. Do you know, that. A week after this episode, because this is a Christmas episode. I'm doing a Christmas episode with Tenron Otrin. This is new.
0: Oh fuck.
1: This is this is his first Christmas episode, but but we're scooting by the very merry pastas. It's this isn't technically a very merry pastas episode, because this is a sequel. To what we read earlier this yeah. year together, a two-parter that we did, which was Tales from the Gas Station, um, which were two different episodes called Gonna Be a Gas that you, uh, Tenron Otrecht, yeah. and I did, I would say, uh, a couple months ago. So, this is a technically a Christmas episode, but do you know that next week, after this episode, is an episode where I let Frowns do the hosting? Really? I just sat back and I let him talk. I say, you're going to make or break this kid. Here we go. I you're the host.
0: I can't wait to hear what he thinks about the episode when he listens to it.
1: da 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 I have no comment. So, uh, let's just say <laughs> that he... Um, I know, because we recorded it already, um, it's, it's a really great episode because of the stories we read. It's not a great episode because Franz is the one hosting it. He decides to talk, and then when he decides to stop talking, he says, okay, let's read a fucking story. <laughs> and, um, and the stories we read are, are very, very good. I'm not even joking for a Christmas episode each of the stories we read were very entertaining. So I hope everyone is excited for the Christmas episode this week, but I decided to butter you up before the 200 by having two Christmas episodes this year. We're going to have one with Tenron Otrin starting right now. We're doing uh, Merry Christmas from the gas station. And I know that, uh, Tenron, you liked... The gas station series. Yeah. Your your exact words were something along the lines of, I, I like the way this guy writes. I, I find myself in the, same, did the I, same kind of attitude as the protagonist in the series.
0: Did I make mention that it reminded me of, n- not in exactly the style, but maybe the tone. It kind of reminded me of Douglas Adams, Hitchhiker's Guide. Did I make did I, I, I say that?
1: I don't know if you did but I can see it. Yeah, the 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 malaise to to the kind of situation that this person is dealing with. They're not reacting rationally. They're reacting <laughs> yes. like they've been dealing with it for for, you know, 10 years. They're they're way too used to the kind of Lovecraftian creepy pasta bullshit that keeps happening. Around this gas station, or around this town, which even, is the, you know,
0: which is that—that's the tone of the the narration in Hitchhiker's. Right.
1: The tone. The tone is I'm so <laughs> fed up
0: with the world ending.
1: Yeah. It. I can. It, it. It should blow up already. It should. It should be done with <laughs> me already. But alas, I'm still alive. And and what's this? I'm on a ship, and someone's telling me to go somewhere. Can we not go there? Can we just <laughs> curl up in a ball and admit that our lives don't mean as much to to each other. You know, that's that's the attitude there. And I'm I'm all for it, honestly. I think um <laughs> I think the introduction of an almost Lovecraftian God spoilers for the the second episode we did on this series and then having that God also like die in the <laughs> same in the same like paragraph. It was really it's just hilarious. You know, everything that was going wrong in that story was absolutely answered. And, um... Well, maybe not everything. We don't know why those raccoons are so large. But, um... But we do know that, uh... This town has a lot to offer. And I, I hope we get back into the, um... I hope we get back into the same characters. I hope... Uh, I hope Marlboro's here. Um... I hope I hope Jack is still uh, friends with Marlboro, at least. Uh, what's what's the uh, what's the Spanish dude's name? I'm
0: gonna say P- Pedroers. Um, no, <laughs> fucking asshole. It was uh, Pablo. No, <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm like trying to He's remember Pablo. Like so seriously, it probably is. Um, um,
1: but I know that they introduce more characters because online there's a pretty big following. For this series, because there there's so many other points, so many other parts. There's even, like, a side series that we can do, eventually. Um, and so,
0: Mer- this episode, Merry Christmas from the gas station.
1: Merry Christmas from the gas station.
0: Also, I don't know if the... Maybe the mic is picking it up. Uh, my stomach is <laughs> volcanic right now. It's, like, bubbling magma. So, I just want to apologize, Really? Something's happening. It's the tums. Is it? Is it the tums? Yeah.
1: We we ate a lot of Chinese food, and then Uh, I gave you some tums, and I said I said good "Good luck. (laughs) I'm not in pain. (laughs) Well, because because we want to jump into the story so quick, um, we're gonna we're gonna take a little brief moment to talk about some other stuff that we were excited to hear about recently. um, On on the day that we're recording this. Disney came out with some announcements. Uh,
0: new new content on Disney Plus in <coughs> the next in the next like year or two. Lots of new and we're shows. not just
1: talking the Marvel stuff that they're doing because I'm really excited about all the Marvel stuff they're doing. Um, no, we're talking about the Star Wars stuff. Of course, I'm I'm here with Tenron Otrin, whose name sounds like he ran it through a Jedi Master name simulator name creator. So. You know, we, it is
0: my Star Wars name. It
1: is your Star Wars name. So, Tenron Otrin, um, what do you what are you most excited about that you just recently heard of?
0: I'm I am personally excited for the Ahsoka series. They just announced. A How did standalone. you feel about
1: Rosario Dawson's performance?
0: It was, it was good. I think she nailed the the mannerisms of what would be an older Ahsoka Tano. And, Agreed. You know, she the the combat was fluid and, and fun. And, you know, she was badass. She she did a great job. I I was thrown off, you know, just by being used to Ashley Eckstein's voice. Right. So that that takes that's you know you need to adjust. But she nailed the role. Like just her behavior was spot on, Ahsoka. And again, to reiterate, an older Ahsoka. She did a great job. So her as a standalone series. I'm
1: glad that her character wasn't afraid to, like, smile, because for most of Rebels, mm-hmm. which I feel like painted her into a corner a bit too much, Um, I feel like she had... She obviously went through so much in Rebels, it was hard for me to, to see how they would handle her in this, which you know, chronologically, a lot of speaking. tragedy, chronologically speaking, you know, she goes from losing her master, losing all of her, her partners and friends go
0: through the, into
1: then trying to help the rebellion and pretty much fail the rebellion to a certain degree. She goes, she, she, she pulls a Yoda. She goes, I'm sick of, I'm sick of losing everything. I'm going to be on my own. I'm going to stay on my own. And I'm going to try to work on this situation as much as I can from the outside. But I, I don't really want to part in it anymore. You know, like she's looking to pay back her debts, I think, you know, which is her her search for Ezra. You know, I, th- I think.
0: yeah. But how are they going to how are they going to tie in live action? And then.
1: Well, the Sissoka series is going
0: so to be live action. They're doing it. Yeah,
1: and, and it will be... The minute I saw Bo-Katan show up, played by the wonderful Katie Sackhoff, I was like... I was done. I was like, they did it. I was like, there's there's, there was no one better for the role because she fucking voiced it in the first place. She's a wonderful actress from other sci-fi series that exists, like Battlestar Galactica. And she played the characters f- so fucking well. And... And they couldn't have put it into a better program. Uh, Mandalorian is the perfect jumping-off point for any fucking series they decide to do from this point forward. I I think the Ahsoka Tano product has the ability to do something great. I think the the, the rumored, or at least alluded to, Boba Fett sequel series could be great. Um, I even think... If it has the same direction, the fucking Obi-Wan before a New Hope series that, that we know they're working on, um, can be great, you know? Um Where where I lose my faith a little bit, um is in the projects that don't have relation to to the main people that I expect to keep this franchise alive. And the people I I expect to keep this franchise alive are Filone and Favreau. Anything that they're not touching, I'm a little worried about. But I expect them to have a much firmer grasp on what
0: continues yeah.
1: to roll out for, for at least Disney Plus.
0: There's a lot that's been either rumored or promised in the last couple of years, but I think I think Rise of Skywalker its its reception I think has dramatically altered the the fate of a lot of those you know rumored projects like. I'm hearing, like, I'm remembering hearing about the Knights of the Old Republic movie that was being written by um, mm-hmm. the, the showrunner for Altered Carbon on right. Netflix. She was supposed to be writing um, a new screenplay for a Knights of the Old Republic film. And then you you would hear about rumors with Ryan Johnson's movie that was all but confirmed by Disney. That's is that dead? Is that, is is that, are, are like things are changing, but for the better, but I'm curious to see what happens with all those I rumored the projects. Ryan
1: Johnson stuff is dead. I imagine the, the, the D and D, the Weiss, the game of Thrones. All dead.
0: Dude, I, th- I imagine that's dead. I'm not disappointed by that at all. Too, cause I'm not either. A, I think, I think
1: they need what we, so what we're experiencing right now is a filter we we came from a, a great lake, and we are now being fed a, a stream. You know, we we do not have the movies to satiate our appetites anymore, and, and Disney is well aware of this. So they're taking all of our expectations, and they're filtering them through their online service, and that's they flat out said, like, this is the future of the MCU, of Star Wars, of a lot of their big products. They're saying aren't going to get huge theatrical releases. They're saying they'd much rather do extended series programs with a level of a movie budget for Disney+. And I have no fucking problem with it's that. better
0: for the consumer. It, it's, it, it, it is. It's
1: more product at a cheaper cost, and you're paying the subscription, so fuck it. Like, you're getting it anyway. Um... I, for one, plan on watching all of the Marvel stuff that they put out. I'm very excited about She-Hulk, Miss Marvel, fucking Moon Knight. The minute they announced that Oscar Isaac was playing Moon Knight, I was done. There's no one better for that role. Um...
0: A will- there's a willow series coming out there's too. a
1: willow series coming to disney plus even a shout out to that like i you know i'm gonna rewatch the movie before that series starts <laughs> up that's such a fantastic little universe that never that never got its due that, yeah i agree it's totally it's totally something that could turn into a franchise on disney plus i i had i heard heard a rumor that they wanted to do a black cauldron like live action little series
0: God, I watched Based that, on that movie book series earlier this year. I watched that movie with my mom for the first time. It mm-hmm. was so awful. <laughs> oh, terrible I terrible movie! Oh, I love that movie. What's that character's name? The one who <laughs> who? Fuck you! I don't care if I'm spoiling. The little movie. furry guy. He dies. Yeah, he kills himself. He kills himself. He
1: sacrifices
0: himself. He comes back though. Later, much yeah. later. Yeah, but. He was so fucking annoying, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so it's okay. annoying. It's
1: okay. I'm just trying to say that Disney has a <laughs> wealth of things at their fingertips that they are thinking about turning into series. It's actually based on an entire book series. They only adapted the first like half of the first book to make that
0: that movie. Well, here here are my hopes. Here's yes. what I I hope for the future of Star Wars. Yes. I hope this High Republic new this all this is brand new stuff that it's an animated series, I hope it's good. I hope it's... I hope it is something independent in the Star Wars universe that can, you know, grow into something amazing on its own. Because I think Star Wars, as a, you know, the universe, I think it needs something else now.
1: But what do you want to see the most? Is it the Ahsoka series?
0: What do I... What I personally want to see... What would you
1: want them to develop the most? Out of anything?
0: I... That's a really good question. Um... Well, I, I I really want to see new games, but that's just that's, me. That's, that's that's a separate a
1: separate question. So separate... I'm talking Disney Plus. Where do you want the Star Wars universe to go? Whether it's retreading or or redeveloping or doing
0: new of anything. So I'm not going to say anything specific. I want to see all. I want to see is uh, anything. Out of the mind of Filoni. And Lucas, because Lucas is back. Uh, Lucas is back, yep. I want to he's, he's executive producer. I want to see them create, and I don't care what they create, because anything that they create, I'm going to probably enjoy it. But I'm, I'm excited to see what they produce. Yeah. Because that's, that's it. It doesn't have to be anything specific for me, because I like everything about Star Wars, you know, all the different characters, all the different Didn't stories. Didn't
1: Filoni direct the Ahsoka Tana episode in season two?
0: I did, think so. Or did Favreau? Either. Filoni either. did. Filoni directed it.
1: I I think he did because uh there's so many Kurosawa references uh-huh. throughout the film, and that that you could tell is just sucking George's dick because that's that's what he based a new hope off. of. I should also redact
0: my statement about liking everything Star Wars and all its characters because I don't really give a fuck's ass about, about the Cassian the Cassian Andor series. <laughs>
1: I was gonna say the sequel series and Cassie and Andor, you can definitely
0: the sequel series doesn't exist anymore. I think they've officially abandoned it. Well,
1: that's the problem with Mandalorian <laughs> is they're doing all of these things in Mandalorian to make the sequel series look better, <laughs> and I get it. Like, oh, the cloning program was secretly something they were developing yeah. during Return of the Jedi. We, have and the, we just haven't seen this it is yet. a spoiler
0: like, for Mandalorian. It's like,
1: oh, the baby Yoda's healing power was something that was way in and development in the M- Force. M- than Moff before. Gideon
0: is like, we have the donor. Yeah, no, down there for ooh, who for who? All yeah, right, no, well we all know for you who. No
1: shit, you know it's uh, there's there's so much that they're trying to do to make people feel less butthurt hurt about that sequel series, and it's not going to work, and not in the long run. You can't forget those three movies and how pointless they are, but um, you will always have the original series, and in my opinion, the 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 just as equally good Mandalorian series to just watch afterwards. <laughs> forget that there's. Uh, uh, seven, eight, and nine, and just watch Mandalorian after you watch Return of the Jedi.
0: <laughs> um, seven, seven, and nine have different problems. They're like it's inverse relationship. Seven and nine to eight. So seven and nine really have, I think, a good. They they have a good foundation to work off of, but the wrong people are making the movie. Then you have Absolutely. then you have eight, where you have the the. You know, I'd argue even that you have the right kind of people to make a movie but a terrible foundation and just, uh, just we've wrong... said
1: it time and time again you needed someone to write all three of those movies before you even went to the table about directing any of them Ryan Johnson could have been the best director of all three of those movies but he I never agree. he never yeah. should have been in, in charge of writing uh, any of them you should have had fucking Kazdan back and Kazdan, sh- Kazdan should have sat down And given you a brief outline of all three, and you should have given all three to Lucas and said, what would you do with what we have here? And then bring it all to Abrams and say, polish this. And that's what you should have done. Now, to go the extra mile, they should have had Filoni there. To just Advise see over and, everything, and... executive produce because he's a
0: treasure trove of thing. knowledge. Like he's the he's
1: the new Lucas. You know he he's the, he's Lucas's baby. He's he's the new. If Lucas isn't there, Filoni is who you want to be there. If
0: Lucas isn't, yeah, as an original, he's the creator, second in command. He just gets
1: it. He does. He is. It's unparalleled. So much. So much of the Mandalorian is so fucking good. So much of Rebels and Clone Wars is so fucking good, because of Felony and no one else. Yeah. And no one else. You could argue uh, whoever the fuck else. Like, John Favreau is a wonderful director. The way that they're filming The Mandalorian is unparalleled in the industry with, with the technology they're using.
0: And we gotta give, you know, we're speaking from 2020's perspective, but, like, we gotta give credit to, like, those authors from the 90s. Like, Timothy Zahn. Timothy Zahn, absolutely. Really the really blew the, the, Star Wars open. Like the like, leg- the
1: what they consider legends now is coming back in a big way. You know, like, we gotta
0: give them credit. Yeah, we gotta give them credit. They gotta get credit. Because- if if they threw in Prince Zizor
1: and fucking Dash Rendar and shit, I would be. They they pulled in the Dark Troopers. They yeah. brought Boba Fett back. There's no fucking reason why they can't. You know, the 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 blueprints for Mandalorian season three are firmly pointing at General Thrawn. And yeah. almost a
0: Rebels-esque crossover. There there has to be, because... the so, Well, that was another rumored animated series was a Rebels sequel. A Sabine Wren, like, right. almost standalone animated series that was going to be about Just finding... Just make it. her a character
1: on Mandalorian. Oh, dude, if that Just is the case... Just make it the plot of season three. If Have your... Na- so, so everyone always loved the title of The Mandalorian. Because we don't know if we're talking about Jin. We don't know if we're talking about Jin. They can do an episode about Boba Fett and not have Jin anywhere, and The Mandalorian can still work as a TV show because yeah. it's called The Mandalorian. If they were to take four different sets of Mandalorian throughout the entire series, Bo Katan, Jin, Boba, and uh, Sabine, and just have the entire show be about each of them and their, really... their quests throughout the universe. Continuing their fucking Viking race, you know that's that's what the Mandalorian can turn into. And that's what I would have want to, it to be.
0: All you'd have to do is you'd have to alter the logo just a bit because the his design, Jen's design, is integrated into the logo, of the Mandalorian. Into the A. Yeah, but you could you could alter it, you know. And, and do you
1: though? Because he was the f- he was the first season and he brought it back. So I mean, it could always allude to him. But I'm saying. We already talked about it. We already know where where the end of season two is going to go. So I'm, I'm saying that if this turns into an Expendables of the Mandalorian race TV show, you got no better blueprint than what they're doing right now. But honestly, if someone were to ask me what I'd want them to do, I'm stuck between two ideas. I really want them to do a solo TV show. I want it to be right before A New Hope, I wanted to bring back uh, Donald Glover, Aaron Aldrich, whoever else that they'd want for uh, the the chick from Game of Thrones. Fucking Darth Maul. I don't. I don't care. I want them to do a Disney Plus short series about how uh, Han got roped into working for Jabba. I just think that that could be the perfect. The people were were so mixed about Solo. To my knowledge, I fucking loved it. I thought they could have continued it, and I would have been way happy with with whatever product. Um, They could have toned down on some aspects, but if you had someone like Favreau or Filoni developing it, it probably could have been much tighter. I would love to see a Scoundrels kind of underworld bounty hunter-esque show. Um, You know, an Ocean's Eleven of the, the Tatooine, you know, mafia. Um... Or and I I remember reading this online and being like, man, I'd watch the fuck out of that. A pod racer series.
0: It'd be great.
1: A series <laughs> about all the niche racers in a in a speed racer esque style, where they race on different planets and different racers hate each other and they have terrible backstories. They fuck each other's wives. Each each episode is a different kind of. And on this planet, here's this racer and he fucking dies, you know, in his race or something, you know, like and in this planet there's this racer and he's old and dried up and no one no one expects him to compete in the new Boon to Eve, but he's he's bringing his A game and he's back. You know, like yeah, I I can expect so there would be so many fun aspects to a series like that and I'd like to think it would be pretty cheap to make because you just get a bunch of cockpit footage and a bunch of CGI footage of cars racing and you're pretty much done. So, you know, I I just laughed. I was like, would you watch like a 20-minute program a week about people pod
0: racing? I'm like,
1: yeah. Yeah, I probably what if, would.
0: What if they made like a uh, mockumentary series? For, even for, even better. <laughs> even for the, better for the pod racing. <laughs> like a, a galactic news network fucking uh Documentary about <laughs> the galaxy's greatest pod racers, and
1: <laughs> I'm a big fan of the video game, so I I can never get enough of. I can never get enough of those those motherfuckers. Uh, e. Bendicott, Odie Mandrell, Gasgano, Cyborg Bomb Yeah, I'm I'm down for it. I can keep naming them: Mars Guo, Clegg Holdfast. <laughs> yeah, man. Real, real... Uh, ben Quadraneros! <laughs> yeah, dude. Real, uh, real, real love in that video game. Which I actually think just got a remaster. Not gonna buy it, though. <laughs> you need to play that thing with an N64 controller and you need to hate your life. <laughs> you need to wonder why they ever conceived of a controller in this shape.
0: Did you... I know we're going on a tangent. Star Wars. Did you play or beat Fallen Order? Of course. So, <laughs> of course. Would you like to see that people, developed into a series? So people or are what? saying
1: that that one of the Jedi that might approach, Grogu, might be an older version of Cal Kestis, because he's canon now. And I was like, eh, eh. I'd rather his master Siri show up, played by the same chick from oh. Mad TV. I'd I'd rather her show up and be like I can I can teach Grogu than, than uh, Cal, not not out of dislike for Cal it's just I don't, it, I love that actor the guy from uh, Dominic, uh, what's what's the name, I I want to say Dominic Monaghan but I I'm not sure if that's right
0: I'm terrible with names I just know him from Gotham and you know what I'm gonna be dead honest with you I actually didn't like him in in Gotham. That's fine, that's okay. But that's what everybody. He's loves good. Him he's from. good in
1: Fallen Order. No. I I would say people love him in Shameless. Oh. I don't, Pe- I
0: don't people people like
1: him Shameless. Okay. Yes, that's okay. Um. Yeah. No. I don't know. If if they were to cast Sebastian Stan to play a younger version of Luke, for him to show up, I think that would be perfect. Sebastian Stan already looks like Mark Hamill, so like there you go. Have a have a young Luke show up and and talk to Grogu for two seconds. It doesn't it doesn't have any bearing on what happens 30 years from now. If anything it has something something to do with it and it would make me like the last Jedi a little bit more if they were to redeem Luke. If they redeemed Boba Fett, they can redeem Luke. That's true. <laughs> but they shouldn't have to redeem their their main fucking character. <laughs> All right, let's let's change topics you, before I you're get an angry. Idiot,
0: you know that? You're an idiot because the first because I had hope. Two, the first six movies, you fucking idiot, were were all for Ray. You're an idiot. You just don't get it.
1: You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> he looked me he looked me dead in the eyes. He was like, they were for Ray. I was like what? No one even knows who the fuck she
0: is until the Uh, seventh movie. Fuck you. Those first six movies. That beautiful moment between Luke and his fucking dying father. That was for Rey, you asshole. You think.
1: You think the series is about the Skywalkers? no no yeah, yeah. no 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 my my naive friend you the, the series is about my man Sheev. It's about how he starts from the bottom and now he here he got that dick wet he had a little baby boy who had a little baby girl
0: so disgusting. <laughs> Oh, anyway. Sucking Sheev's cock.
1: You know, you know the funnier the funnier thing about that is that Sheev had to have been old wrinkly. Sheev. Oh, yeah. When when the when the cloning process started. So.
0: <sighs> Fucking awful movies. Cuz
1: there aren't any books to go off of that have mm. the Emperor's son in them and he's a much better character in them. Mm. There's nothing. There's nothing else to base, nothing else to base that off of. We can't look at the scripts that, that Lucas wrote or the script that Trevaro wrote or any of that. We gotta write our own about how
0: the uh, emperor, emperor's back. <laughs> We've gone on too long. Let's. Just... Yeah, we have. We this always do. This is supposed do. to be about Christmas and Christ sacrifice. Merry
1: Christmas. Merry Christmas. Time to read about a gas station. So, um, yeah, let's jump into it. I'm going to let you take part one because you said you wanted to read more. Cool. All right. Merry Christmas from the gas station, a continuation of our series from Reddit No Sleep. Part
0: one. In case you've been following along with the events at the gas station on my blog, I apologize that my website was taken down so abruptly. For some reason, the city council found my public record of local events to be troubling. To the point that they hired a fancy Orwellian legal team to bury me in cease and I tried fighting back, but as of last week it looks like my entire site has been retroactively erased from existence. Presumably, these are the same guys who've been scrubbing all mentions of our town from the internet. I know that these are not the sort of people that you're supposed to pick a fight with, but after what happened to Gregory Fitz, I feel I have a responsibility to continue journaling in one form or another. Some of you who followed my blog may remember Greg as the lawyer who volunteered to help out pro bono. Uh, uh, Oh, God, Chinese. (laughs) It's coming. After I first started getting pushback from the concerned members of our city council. He even drove all the way out here last week just to have a talk with him. I'm very sorry to say that they found his remains yesterday in a hotel room. Locked from the inside, of course. Officially, his death was declared suicide. But before it was sealed, Deputy O'Brien managed to get a look at the police report, which claims he died of blood loss while attempting to eat his own hands. (laughs) Admittedly, I didn't know Greg all that well, but that just doesn't seem like something he would do. Anyway, until I can figure things out with the website, I've decided to continue chronicling the events of my day to day here. If you haven't been following my blog and have absolutely no idea who I am, that's okay too. Let me just say that there are only two things you need to know that will bring you completely up to speed. I work at this shitty 24-hour gas station at the edge of town. Weird things happen there. The owners decided to hire a third full-time clerk. And I don't know if it's because they're getting tired of all the part-timers mysteriously disappearing, or if it's because they've finally decided to fire Jerry, Marlborough. or maybe they just don't know that my time here is running out and they're hoping I can train my own replacement before it's too late. Her name is Rosa and despite her eager optimism, I guess she's pretty cool. She's a couple years younger than me, smart, very capable, and has exhibited a level of competence that I would categorize as not at all like Jerry, which is something I think the owners were really looking for in a new employee. The flip side, though, is that she's always asking questions that I don't have answers to. Why are there so many missing persons flyers on the bulletin board? What's with all the mold on the ceiling? Who's that guy in the trench coat that hangs out near the dumpster at all hours of the night? <laughs> What's in these boxes labeled non-uprear? The owners asked Rosa to start immediately as my shadow for this week's overnight shifts. You might think the owners would shut the place down for a couple hours for the holiday, but you would be wrong. Hello. Oh, good, hey, roll. <laughs> it took a literal court order to make them close their doors for a weekend last month after we found a mummified corpse in the walls. Oh, but that's another story for another time. She came into the gas station just as the sun was beginning to set, and we started with the basics. How to clock in, how to open a till, how to turn on the pumps. Then I gave her the same speech I gave all the new employees. Look, there are a bunch of rules to working at any job. We're no different. Show up on time, wear clothing, don't feed the raccoons. Store telephone is for paying customers only, 25 cents a minute, prepaid only, no exceptions. And just like every job, there are the unwritten rules here. That that second list is a little longer. If something seems weird, you try to ignore it. In fact, the more you ignore the better off you'll be. (laughs) Uh, Don't keep track of time. Don't go off investigating weird noises on your own. Uh, Don't touch the garden gnomes with the green hats. Why? She asked. What's wrong with the gnomes with the green hats? Sometimes they bite. They've sent a few employees to urgent care for stitches.
1: Wow, what about the
0: customers? Most of them bite
1: too. Okay, what can you tell me about,
0: you know... She whispered this next part with a sly grin. The animals? This was the moment I first realized that Rose's steadfast and defiant curiosity might become a problem. What about the animals? I asked. Well, I
1: heard a rumor from Jerry that the woods way out here past the edge of town are full of strange fauna. And sometimes when night falls, the inhabitants of the forest get brave and wander closer to the gas station.
0: She said the whole thing in that stupid, spooky Vincent Price voice. (laughs) you use when reading ghost stories to a group of first graders the woods way out here past the edge of town are full of strange fauna (laughs) (laughs) Jerry you idiot look Jerry says and smokes a lot of things I wouldn't pay him much attention he also told me something else she confessed
1: is it true that you can't fall asleep yeah it's
0: true that's pretty cool No, not really. Right on cue, Jerry walked into the gas station wearing nothing but a wife beater, jeans, and a camo trucker hat covered in fresh snow. Some people like to go home once their shift ends. Some people even manage to stay away from their place of employment all the way until their next shift begins. But as he reminds me, time and time again, Jerry is not some people. You guys, it's colder than a stepmother's kiss out there. As usual, he didn't wait for any response. He just grabbed a bottle of whiskey off the shelf, then walked up to Rosa and pointed at a pack of Marlboros.
1: What are you doing? She asked. Aren't you freezing? Well, yeah. Didn't you hear what I just said? I'm as cold as a
0: witch's dick. Rosa handed over the pack of cigarettes and rang him up, saying, I don't think that's how the expression goes. You ever felt a witch's
1: dick it's pretty frickin' cold she chuckled does that pickup line ever work <laughs> you'd be surprised Ugh,
0: I just got chills it's so cringe. <laughs> <laughs> witch's dick she gave Jerry his total but he just winked at her and said put it on my employee tab <laughs> <laughs> before turning around and walking back out into the falling snow Rosa looked at me with a confused expression.
1: How do I ring something up under an employee
0: tab? We don't have employee tabs. So... Yeah, Jerry just wrapped us. <laughs> the night passed like most, boring and slow. The snowstorm had kicked into high gear, dropping the customer count to a trickle. Maybe one or two per hour. It didn't take long to show the new girl everything there was to the job. And before too long, my brain was back on autopilot and I was relaxing in a chair with an open book about a hard-boiled big city detective. Rosa took the utterly pointless initiative to clean the place up a little. I think the dullness of the job was really starting to test her limits. The grind of long hours and the space between those events that form memories into where I'd like to hide, where I can relax and wait and forget about all the things knocking at the door of my mind. How many days have passed since the last time you slept? I wonder what she who shall not be named is doing right now. She promised you would see each other again. Will your mind still be intact when the disease takes you? Do you think she'll come to your funeral? Yep, take those thoughts and push them back into the vault and focus on the shitty book you brought from the library clearance sale. Around midnight, Rosa ran up to the counter with a cardboard box and slammed it down in front of me. I looked up to see an enormous smile on her face. Yo, check out what I found in the storage closet. Before I could say no thanks, she flipped the box upside down and dumped the contents onto the counter. It was a giant tangled ball of Christmas lights, plastic garland, holiday decorations, and freshly dead mice. Oh. She said, her smile instantly evaporating. I didn't know about the mice. I put my book down and started refilling the box while she went out and found some napkins to wrap up the rodents. About an hour later, the decorations were back in the storage room. The mice were all stuffed together in an old shoebox, and I was leaning against my crutches in the pouring snow while Rosa dug a tiny grave. There was something particularly cathartic about watching somebody else dig a hole next to the gas station, thinking to myself that if she only knew all the things that had happened with that shovel... I highly doubt she would be so gung-ho about putting her fingerprints all over it. I selected one of the few spots where we hadn't already buried something horrific, (laughs) and once the mice were in the ground, Rosa gave a short eulogy. Christmas
1: mice, oh, Christmas mice, how we never knew ye. I'm sorry you all died in a box in the supply closet, but I'm grateful that at least you didn't have to die alone. We pray that you don't haunt this gas station. Instead, may you find your peace in heaven, or whatever your mouse religion equivalent is.
0: Probably Valhalla, I muttered. When they say
1: not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse, we will know that it
0: wasn't for lack of trying. She looked at me and asked, anything to add? My mind jumped to a short list of mouse-based puns, but instead I decided to go with this. Yeah, somebody once came into the gas station trying to be a dick. He told me that I was nothing but a little mouse. I think he meant that as an insult, but I didn't really take offense. She nodded. That was really nice. As we started making our way back to the gas station, I heard a voice from just beyond the tree line whisper, Rosa stopped and looked back. Did you hear that? The freezing wind carried with it a noise that almost sounded like children <laughs> giggling as it blew against the back of my neck. Uh, nope, I said. Let's go back inside.
1: <laughs> it's just it's just the same old gas station that we've been reading about for
0: two other big old points. You know, I'm sorry. I've been playing a lot of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Yeah. And it's an amazing game. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm happy with it. Good. He said about Holland. <laughs> and it made
1: you think. <laughs> and I just want to like, yeah, give it a shout out Ode. for for being the best Assassin's Creed game, probably ever. All right, calm down. I didn't like the first like three.
0: <laughs> and, and oh, I, they're they're uh, so they're so they're actually so different. Than, I know. Than they're extraordinarily ones. different. The yeah. the newer ones are completely different games. Here, I'll, here's my review. You know how Skyrim, you, you travel around the world. Yeah. And there are little things that happen here and there. Yeah. That that just make the feel the world feel vibrant and alive. Yeah. Valhalla does that to some degree and it they, they nail it. There are these little little side missions that happen five minutes long, maybe not even, and you just interact with one off characters that every time you you just find yourself being invested in the world that's going on around you. Just really cute, funny little interactions. Sometimes they're heart wrenching, like Mm-hmm. Sad little like a girl build stacking stones and you're like, Let me help you, child. You you build her little cairn stone thing and, and it's revealed. Now I'll be pro- protected from like the monsters now that Mama and Papa are dead. And you're like, you're like oh, I'm shit. sorry, child.
1: <laughs> I'm so- you leave. Sorry, little one, I have to go kill people now. <laughs> I'm an assassin after all. <laughs> oh, <laughs> It was some time later when the store phone rang. I had gone to the supply closet to grab a bucket of salt for the front steps so Rosa was the one to pick up. I could hear her side of the conversation and didn't think too much about it until I heard the very last word. It's not bad, I think. This is my first day here. Pause. Oh, I like it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Pause. Rosa? Pause. Pause. Yeah, actually, he's right here. Did you want to talk to him? Pause. Sure thing. No, I'll let him know. Pause. You too, Spencer. (laughs) Then she hung up on the phone. Oh, shit. She smiled at me and said, That was a friend of yours. Spencer Middleton? I said with a sigh. Yeah. Once again, I watched her happy smile disappear. I guess she could tell from the look on my face that this was not good news.
0: I need to make a phone call, then I think it's probably about time that I told you something. Back in
1: high school, we all pretty much knew that Spencer was certifiable psychopath, but growing up in a small, boring podunk town, we didn't have a societal framework to process this sort of thing. Finding him the help he needed was simple, not a feasible option, and most people just said a prayer for him and called it done. At one point, the principal delegated the responsibility to the school counselor slash gym coach, who tried talking to Spencer about his feelings, but of all that was just the equivalent of putting a band-aid on a grease fire. There was a rumor around that time that Spencer was the one who had killed all those dogs, but when I told my mother about this, she just looked at me and said, "'Well, then don't go near him with any dogs!' After dropping out, he joined the army and worked his way up through the ranks until somebody recognized his, let's say, talents and gave him a special assignment in a black budget program specializing in enhanced interrogation techniques, which is a flashy way of saying torture. There's no official record of any of this, and the only reason I know is because he told me all about it one night to pass the time while I dug my own grave at gunpoint. I managed to pick his pocket while he was distracted with the bloodless blinders and sent an SOS text from his phone to Deputy O'Brien, who showed up just in time to arrest him before he could follow through, but Spencer escaped captivity only after a few days and for the last couple months has been a wanted but elusive fugitive. (coughs) Sometimes he calls me at work to remind me of the good old times we had together and to assure me that he'll be seeing me again soon. I don't know if it's luck that has kept him from killing me, or if the sadist in him is prolonging this intentionally. Tonight he told Rosa to let me know that he was in the area. As for why Spencer wants to kill me, let me simply say that I maybe deserve it, and maybe I don't, and we should leave it at that. The first thing I did was call O'Brien, but it went straight to voicemail. The second thing I did was tell all of this to Rosa, who listened patiently until i finished to ask the obvious question. So, do you have a gun or anything, in case he comes back?
0: No, I'm not really a gun guy.
1: Ninja stars? Bazooka? Flamethrower? Chainsaw? Any sort of weapon at all? No. Well, shit. Maybe you deserve to be killed. Should we lock the doors or something?
0: Yeah. That's another thing. Spencer knows how to get inside the gas station, even when the doors are locked. He's done it a couple times before, and we haven't been able to figure out how.
1: Crap, man. Is there anything else terrifying about him that you want to tell me?
0: I once saw Spencer get his head cut halfway off and bleed out on the gas station floor, and he somehow... he still somehow came back without any lasting damage. Uh... No, not really.
1: (laughs) The gas station door swung open, causing Rosa to squeak and jump. "Uh, Hey guys, (laughs) said the inebriated man in the oversized fur coat as he staggered into the store. Hi Jerry, I said back. Where you been? Y'all know the roads are all shut down, he said avoiding the question. It didn't matter, I already knew the answer. And Rosa asked, what about the roads? jerry braced himself against the frozen drink machine and answered yeah it's been all over the radio if he were a little closer i probably would have smacked him god knows he really deserved it really jerry the radio we're not supposed to talk about it but some time ago jerry started a pet project building a pow style shortwave radio just to see if he could He uncoiled an old Brillo pad and wrapped it around toilet paper roll for the inductor, (laughs) went vulture on a bunch of electronics and storage, and eventually ended up with something that actually picked up a few low-quality AM country stations. It also picked up something else. The signal is always weak, but if we put the radio just in the right spot, we can hear a man with a Slavic accent reading or discussing news relevant to our town in short, simple, choppy sentences. The weird thing is, he's always talking, no matter what, 24 hours a day, without taking any breaks and never repeating himself. The temperature is 84 degrees. There are three more people in town than yesterday. The ratio of pig to human in town is approximately 2.078 to 1. The mayor is asleep. The mayor's wife is asleep. The time is 24 hours and 16 minutes. The butcher shop is closed. The light is on at the high school gym. He talks about the people in town, what they're eating for dinner, how many pairs of shoes they own, their favorite colors and numbers, (laughs) random facts, sometimes connected, sometimes not. We did a couple of experiments and learned that the radio signal gets a little stronger the further we go into the woods. And once we get past the gas station heading into town, the signal drops to nothing. We listened to him off and on for a few days as a way to stave off boredom during slow shifts. But eventually we started to get a little concerned. The things he reported were always so specific and bizarre, and some of what The Voice reported nobody should have been able to know. Who didn't love who anymore? What high school student was about to find out she was pregnant? Which local business was about to receive a random health inspector visit? How many days the milk at the grocery store had left before it turned bad? And who was going to buy it and when? We had theorized that it was just an elaborate work of fiction until one day the Voice announced Sean Buckley's death in a car accident eight hours before it happened. Then the Voice started talking about us. Talking to us, even. There's a man at gas station. He uses name Jack. He still has one baby tooth. He has been diagnosed with fatal familial insomnia. He is threat level eight. He is aware of transmission. There is another man at gas station. His name is Jeremy. He is threat-level echo. He is aware of transmission. He is 30 years old. He is looking at Jack. The men of gas station have built transmission receiver. Jeremy at gas station is moving towards transmission receiver. He is disassembling (laughs) transmit. After that night, we made a pact to never listen to the radio again. And to add (laughs) the transmission... (laughs) to that long list of try-and-forget stories. I think when most people swear on their lives not to do something again, they don't do it. Did I mention that Jerry isn't most people? There's a freak snowstorm, the worst one in a decade. All the roads leading into town are completely impassable. You know, the drill. Mandatory curfew, state of emergency. Cats and dogs living together? Jerry waved his arms and air dramatically. Two dead, one missing. He grabbed a cup, filled it with a cherry cola-flavored frozen drink, and started to down it. If all the roads are impassable, then where the hell did you just come from? Asked Rosa, and I whispered to her.
0: Remember that thing I told you about ignoring the weird stuff?
1: Jerry screamed. What is it? Yelled Rosa. Oh, spray freeze! Well, I said, at least we still have. Right then, the power cut out, leaving the gas station in complete pitch blackness. I used my phone's flashlight until I could find our box of emergency supplies, and then somehow managed to drag it from the storage room with one hand while holding both crutches in the other. I'm sure Jerry was just being kind by allowing me to do it on my own so I could retain my independence and sense of worth. But seriously dude, you see me dragging this heavy ass thing, you're really not gonna offer to help? Once I made it to the front of the store, Jerry sat down cross-legged and started going through the box, handing supplies out to the four of us. I had packed plenty of extra batteries. Half a dozen flashlights, some bottled water, some emergency rations, matches, flares, and more than enough. Wait a second. Four of us? Holy shit! I yelled, fumbling with the flashlight. Jerry had just handed me. After a painfully awkward few seconds, I managed to get the damn thing to turn on and I pointed it at the other shadows standing in the room. Jerry, Rosa, and Deputy O'Brien. You mind not pointing that thing right in my eyes? She asked. Deputy Emilio O'Brien was the latest in an ever-growing list of deputy babysitters assigned to the gas station dating all the way back to as long as I can remember. Some of them died, one of them went crazy, and then there's her, a tough-as-brick Brooklyn transplant with an itchy trigger finger and a long history of giving as many fucks as there are planets named Pluto. She was a very welcome sight. Sorry, I said, pointing it back down. When did you get here? "'Oh, just now, while you were off uh, bumble-fucking around in the closet, "'I killed. Uh, I called to check on you thirty minutes ago, but nobody answered, "'and I nearly killed myself ten times driving through the blizzard to get here. "'What the hell happened?' Rosa perked up. "'Oh, we were probably outside doing the funeral when you called?' "'And she unsnapped the gun on her holster and said, "'What?' I explained quickly. "'It was for a bunch of mice,' Jerry bristled. "'And you didn't invite me?' O'Brien shook her head and said, That actually uh, does not clear anything up. I took a deep breath and broke the bad news. It's a good
0: thing you're here, though. Spencer called again said he's in the area.
1: Jerry opened one of the emergency packs of jerky, took a bite, and then said, That kid is so in love with you. The deputy raised an eyebrow at the new girl and asked, Who are you? Hi, I'm Rosa. It's my first day. Amelia O'Brien. Really? You don't look like an O'Brien? What does an O'Brien look like? An awkward silence followed. Then Jerry broke it by exclaiming, Yay! We finally passed the Bechtel test. This is a nice change of pace. Usually when we end up trapped at the gas station, it's total sausage fest. Usually? asked Rosa. This has happened before? Once or twice, I answered. O'Brien spoke into our walking mic. Dispatch, this is O'Brien. Do you read me over? Silence. Dispatch, are you hearing me? Over. More silence. She sighed and dug a dollar out of her pocket, handing it over to me as she said, I need to use the store phone. But before I could even take the money, the phone started ringing. She shot me a look and said, Hey, crutches. Pick it up and put it on speaker. Without thinking, I tucked the flashlight into my mouth and crossed to the counter, and when I got there, I reached out to answer, then immediately spat the flashlight out and yelled, "'Oh my god!' "'What?' O'Brien shot
0: back. "'I put that in my mouth, and mice could have done weird stuff to it, and I put that thing in my mouth!'
1: The phone rang a couple more times before O'Brien said, "'Just answer the damn phone!' And I did. "'Hello?' "'Hey there, Jack.' It's been too long. I pressed the button to switch on speakerphone. Hi, Spencer. Who's your new friend? I looked at O'Brien, who made a weird hand gesture that could have meant to keep him talking or yee let's rob this bank. <laughs> Given the current context, I assumed it was the former.
0: Oh, her. That girl you talked to earlier is my new uh, jujitsu instructor. I had to fire the last one because he'd he already seen. Uh, or uh, He said he'd already taught me everything he knew. I've been getting uh, pretty rad since the last time I saw you. But also, I'm taller now. She doesn't look
1: like a Jiu Jitsu instructor to me, and neither does the lady deputy next to her. And. Is that Jerry? He looks drunk. O'Brien pulled out her service pistol crisscrossed it with her flashlight in the opposite hand and started pointing at each of the windows and doors. Jerry always looks drunk. Hey! Yelled Jerry with a hiccup. O'Brien took the phone from me and slammed it into the cradle before yelling, Everybody get away from the windows right now! Jack, take the others and lock yourself in the storage closet. Go! I sighed and said, Fine. The next few hours were pretty damn boring.
0: Part three. (laughs) O'Brien had checked our perimeter, called for backup, and declared the situation tentatively safe in the time it took Jerry and Rosa to fall asleep in the closet. I covered them in packing blankets, then put one around my shoulders and tried to read my book by candlelight, but the situation was just too distracting to let myself get into it. O'Brien eventually joined us in the small room, reporting that there were no signs of Spencer anywhere. And if it weren't for the fact that somebody had slashed all the tires on her cruiser and Rose's Volkswagen Beetle, she might have been tempted to believe he was just yanking our cranks. (laughs) Yanking our cranks. Yanking our (laughs) our crayons. Crayons. (laughs) He's yanking our Crayolas. So what's the deal with backup? I whispered to her as she came (laughs) and sat down on a milk crate next to me. The others were knocked out, and I was just fine letting them sleep off as much as they could. Oh, Lord. O'Brien looked at them while she searched for the words. I don't know
1: what's going on with you crutches, but ever since I was assigned to this job, my
0: life has gotten exponentially weirder with every passing day. Yeah, I said, picking up the edge of my blanket, putting it over her shoulders. That's nice. She moved in a little closer and whispered, (laughs) I talked to the sheriff. He's sending a snow truck out here first thing
1: in the morning. I tried to tell him that this needs to be a priority, but evidently this is a snowmageddon, and he can't afford to stretch his precious resources any further tonight.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right.
1: What about her? I thought you and Jerry pretty much ran this place.
0: (laughs) I laughed. We don't run anything. She put a warm arm around my shoulder and said, I'm really going to miss you when you die. Ah, thanks. But that's pretty presumptuous of you, so... Well, so far I have outlived almost every deputy they sent. Rosa shot up, eyes wide open, in a look of sheer terror. Hey, I said, did we wake you up? Did you hear that? She said in a voice that did not sound anything like Rosa's voice. A cold shiver ran down my spine. Hear what? He's coming. Almost here. When he gets it, we're all over. We can't let him have it. Girl, said O'Brien. You are freaking us out. Who's coming? Spencer? She's dreaming, I said. One of my foster brothers used to do the same thing. Her, Her eyes are open, but she's talking in her sleep. Right then, her eyes rolled way back into their sockets, revealing nothing but veiny white bulges.
1: Did your foster brother do that too?
0: Okay, I admitted that this, uh, well, that is, that is different. She slowly began to stand up, clutching the blanket to her chest, and then continued speaking in that same weird voice.
1: Every living being will be transformed into a conduit for agony and suffering if he finds what he is looking for. You will all beg for death but it will never come. An unfathomable horror from worlds inconceivable is at your gate. Do not open the
0: door. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Is it a gate or a door? Fix your metaphors, creepy nightmare, Rosa. O'Brien stood up and looked at me. Should I wake her? Right then, Rosa dropped a blanket, revealing that she was actually floating around eight or nine inches off the ground. Oh. Oh, we both said at the same time it might have been a little bit of an overreaction to shoot Rosa with a taser gun <laughs> oh guys fuck me in the ass I'm so sorry I burp all the
1: time on this show uh, so good. I think I burp every episode <laughs> oh,
0: god uh, yeah I'm but, the worst but then again <laughs> it might not have been oh it might not have been an overreaction and there's no change in what had already happened I think I smelled that one I smelled it too <laughs>
1: It's a small room. Little airflow. <laughs> Don't rip
0: ass, please. Nothing, nothing's coming out yet. Nothing is, nothing needs to exit. Rosa fell onto Jerry, waking them both up in a screaming fit of expletives and confusion. What are you doing, sis? Oh my god, step-pro. I'm your stepbrother. <laughs> my name is Jerry, and your name is Rosa, my stepsister. I'm sorry. I'm just so fucking horny, man. (laughs) You don't have to say that on my show. (laughs) It all started with O'Brien putting her arm around. Maybe we can get a little backup. I'm actually, I have a blanket (laughs) draped around me. I seem very cold. Are you cold? I can put the blanket around you. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) Okay. All right. Back to it. Um, it took a good 20 minutes before Rosa was calmed down enough for us to pull the prongs out of her skin and get her patched up. We were all in the front of the store, Rosa sitting on the counter while O'Brien put the finishing touches on her bandages. Why the hell would you shoot me with a taser? Always with the questions, Rosa. You were sleep-floating, I explained. Oh. She said.
1: "'Sorry about that. I didn't mean to.' "'Hey, guys,'
0: said Jerry. "'What do you suppose that is?' He pointed at something just on the other side of the glass doors that looked at first glance like a body slumped up against it. Upon closer inspection, I became certain that it was in fact a body slumped slumped against it. O'Brien drew her gun and carefully walked over under the lock and opened the door just enough for the body to fall halfway into the gas station, along with a freezing blast of wet air. Crap on a cracker, said Jerry. Is that Spencer? It was. It was. (laughs) Don't make me do my Chris Hansen. (laughs) So this guy... (laughs) Is it Spencer? Slumps up against the window, and asks the girl to take her shirt off. He had a busted lip, swollen black eye, and scrapes and bruises covering his face like he had gone ten rounds with a dump truck. But O'Brien was smart enough not to let up her guard. She kept one finger on the trigger, while she checked for signs of breathing, which sadly she found oh (laughs) sorry, Uh, which sadly she found. She put the unconscious Spencer in handcuffs, dragged him into the store, and then handed me another dollar before calling it to the sheriff's office. She put the unconscious Spencer in handcuffs. Do, do you think that's gonna be enough? You read that. It's your line. Oh yeah yeah. Do you think it's gonna be enough? Oh, I'm sorry. So like you asked me, do you think that's gonna be enough? And I thought you were like talking about is that gonna be enough to go back to read? It after, no, that's your line. After you just interrupted me. You read the she put the unconscious line already. Bitch. <laughs> Do you think that's going to be enough? I asked. One pair of handcuffs? He's unconscious. You know what's funny is, at the beginning, when he was talking to Rose about Spencer, how it doesn't matter if you lock this door, he always finds a way to get in. (laughs) He found a way to get in. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, they let him in. Yeah. (laughs) He's unconscious and unarmed.
1: What exactly do you have in mind? I said, well, maybe we can- Maybe we can (laughs) tie him up. Sorry maybe we can t- <laughs> oh you, you! I say wooden stake through the heart you say maybe we can tie him up okay wooden maybe stake through time the heart
0: up. <laughs> we tried again I said, oh, oh, uh, oh, uh, I said maybe we can tie up I don't know
1: how that's gonna sound I said maybe we can tie him up at the same time that Jerry blurted out wouldn't stake through the Pumped heart in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> Just continue. I'm done with that part.
0: We compromised and found a roll of duct tape to secure him to a rolling chair. Then pushed the chair into a supply closet and then nailed the closet door shut. <laughs> Thirty minutes later, we heard the pounding on the roof. Slam. And welcome to the jam. <laughs> I wanna get up, it's time to jam now. <laughs>
1: this is very good. It really is Michael Jordan, and he's trying to bring you to the slam. Bring
0: your hands in the air if, if you feel, feel
1: right, right. I gotta take it hand not all time. Welcome to the space. Damn, panel. damn,
0: damn. Alright. <laughs> oh man. The first one jolted us all into high attention. We didn't have but maybe two seconds before the next slam.
1: slam. <laughs> I'm just going to insert the slam from that song. Slam! <laughs> <laughs>
0: now that you did it, it's going to be slam, slam, slam. Maybe a tree branch had fallen over in the storm. Slam, slam, slam. They started coming more frequently like a muffled machine gun. Slam, 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 slam. What the hell is... Oh, <laughs> What the hell is that? O'Brien oh, bellowed. Slim, 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 slim. It's monsters. <laughs> so anyway, I just started shooting.
1: <laughs> oh no! I dropped my Magnum condom for my monster
0: dog <laughs> The slamming. So they came together five to ten each second, oh. and then just as suddenly as it started, the pounding on the roof came pounding. to an end. Maybe it was. Step, bro? <laughs> Step, Stux. Maybe it was Hale, I suggested. Or maybe... Offered Jerry. It was him, escaping. He pointed at the room Spencer was in. How does that make any sense? Asked O'Brien.
1: Lady, we are way past the point
0: of making any sense. He answered, and then added. I think you know that. That was all it took to convince O'Brien to pry the nails back out of the door to Spencer's makeshift prison. But once we got it open, we saw that he was still there, duct-taped to the chair. We breathed a collective sigh of relief before "'Well, hey there, everybody,' Spencer said with a sly smile. "'Merry Christmas.
1: Now, which one of you wants to let me out of this chair?' Spencer Middleton. said so O'Brien? You are under arrest. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say... Christ, O'Brien. Are we really going to do this again? Just set me free and give me a weapon. You clearly have no idea what's out there right now. You think I did this to myself? Trust me. You're going to need my help.
0: We probably should have gone with the snake.
1: Yeah, and salad is always a worse option.
0: Spencer was... (laughs) Spencer was still yelling at us as O'Brien closed the closet door again. Okay, she said. We need to check out what that noise was. No, we really don't, I responded. (laughs) Me. (laughs) No, we really don't. (laughs) Rosa grabbed me by the arm for some reason, then said to the deputy... You can't leave us alone with that guy! Cherry announced. I'll go check out I'll go
1: check out the noise. <laughs> if I'm not back in five minutes, assume the worst. You're not going by yourself. Snapped O'Brien. Fine. He said. Let's all go together. Rosa
0: squeezed my arm tighter. I'd rather take my chances in here. Okay. Said O'Brien near Herbert's End. Then we split up. Are you freaking kidding me? I said. Are we really gonna scooby-doo this shit? I added the shed in there. guys. <laughs> Apparently, we Scooby were. <laughs> like, likes so Jerry. And after a few more rounds of discussion, we Scooby-Did. It was... <laughs> <laughs> scooby do. I get tense. it, I get it. <laughs> Grammar. Stop. It was decided that Jerry and I would go check out the noise while O'Brien and Rosa stayed and watched the prisoner. Hey. O'Brien told me just before we left on our wholly unnecessary suicide mission. I can handle floaty girl and duct tape boy on my own. But you need to take this
1: just in case.
0: I don't know why people are always giving... Are trying to give me guns. I'm not a gun guy. The last time I had a gun... You know what? Don't (laughs) even worry about the last time I had a gun. Plus, I need both hands just to move around. I'll take it. Said Jerry. Have you ever fired a gun before? She asked. That depends. He answered.
1: Are you a cop? (laughs) (laughs) This guy's fucking a
0: moron. She let out a defeated sigh and handed him a pistol. Just try not to die, guys, okay? Rosa looked at us nervously and tried to offer some words of support. Be careful. I'd hate for this night to turn into a...
1: What's the opposite of a sausage fest? Jerry answered. A clamboree.
0: Right. I'd hate for this to turn into a clamboree. Jerry led the way with his two perfectly functioning legs, pointing the gun and flashlight in front of him while he kicked a trail through the thick pile of snow that had settled knee-deep outside the gas station. We trudged through the frozen landscape until we, safely, or we were safely under the vehicle overhang next to the fuel pumps. Then he scanned the area with the light, revealing dozens of small holes in the fresh window, like tiny baseball-sized craters. From there, we could see the roof of the gas station, as well as the piles of tiny winged creatures caught up in the gutters, and slowly being swallowed by snow. I dug my own flashlight out of my coat pocket and scanned the area under the overhang, finding six or seven dead birds around the edges. It wasn't the first time I'd seen this, but it was the first time I know of where it happened right on top of the store. We get strange weather patterns out here, and every once in a blue moon, birds get confused and forget which way is up and fly straight into the ground en masse. Uh, Local scientists blame everything from fireworks to pesticides, but officially the cause is unknown. All I know is that it's freaking weird. Hey, check this out. I turned to see that Jerry had plucked one of the creatures out of the snow and was holding it in his hands. Dude, don't touch that. I might have herpes. Check it out. He said as he pulled a long coil of thin copper wire out of the bird's corpse and then held it up for inspection. Unwound, the metal string was about a foot and a half long. You think he ate this? I shrugged. <sighs> Times are tough. I fucking love this author, man. It's just <laughs> Time's tough. I just and then <laughs> then I just love this fucking story. Uh, Fuck, ma'am. I'm, so, I'm just cursing so much right now. Oh my god. Step, Bros. It's, it's the Coke Zero. <laughs> it's the sugar. It's the aspartame. He threw the bird back into the snow and wiped his hands on his pants.
1: Should we go back inside?
0: Yeah, in a minute. But first, we need to talk. I really hate this part. Honestly, I'd rather face one of the creatures from the forest than have a serious chat with Jerry. But sometimes we don't get a choice.
1: Fine. I'll come clean. The the (laughs) mice were mine. But they were dead when I bought them.
0: I was using them for snake food, okay? And I didn't know. The radio. You put it back together? He blinked a couple times, slowly pulled out his pack of Marlboros, slowly put one in his mouth, slowly lit it, and took a drag, and then said,
1: Yeah... So,
0: <laughs> I didn't really have anything planned for this part, so I let his question to hang out, you know, hang there in the air for a while. Did it say anything else? Not much.
1: Mostly about the snowstorm. And... He trailed off.
0: And I asked. And it said that Sagoth has risen. He took another drag. Are you sure he didn't say a uh, savior has risen? Like some kind of Christmas thing?
1: He said it like 10 times in a row Sagoth has risen, Sagoth has risen, you got the point. Sagoth has risen, etc. I thought it was kind of weird because
0: I'd never heard him repeat anything before. We stood there in silence until he had finished his cigarette. Then he looked back up at me. So, you ready to go back inside now? We both heard the sneeze at the same time. It came from somewhere down the road leading into the forest. And if I could have jumped, I probably would have. What the hell was that? Jerry said in a frantic whisper. It was a sneeze. Where's the gun? Or do I say that? Yeah. Jerry looked at the ground. I followed his eyes and pointed at the flash, at the flashlight where I pointed the flashlight at the blank spot in the snow next to the set of raccoon feet shaped prints leading off into the forest. (laughs) I repeated the question slowly. Jerry? Where? Oh, fuck. (laughs) Jerry? It was bubbling (laughs) in my throat. Where is (laughs) the gun? I set it down to pick up the dead
1: bird. You don't think Rocco made off with it, do you?
0: Rocco, our resident mutant trash panda, I highly, highly doubt that Rocco didn't steal it. We both looked at one another with that what-do-we-do-now look, and then Jerry yelled out, Bless you! Of all the stupid ways I've imagined dying at the gas station, this was not one of them. A voice called back from somewhere deep in the blizzard. Hello? Is somebody there? No! I yelled (laughs) back. Sure sounds like somebody to me. The voice was getting closer. I tried to do some quick math, could I? uh, Crutch run back to the gas station before the source of that voice reached us? Probably not. A figure started to emerge in the snowstorm, a man-shaped figure. As it got closer, the details came into focus. Before long, the man was underneath the awning with us, casually walking towards me. Hands in his pockets, snow covering, his hooded blue jacket coat. He walked right up to the two of us and asked if he could bum a smoke. I watched the guy light it up and take a drag, noticed that there was something strangely familiar about him. He was about 5'10", early thirties, with dark brown eyes and a short and well-maintained beard. Thin, but in good shape, and wearing a coat that was way too big on him. After a few moments, he asked, he Do you guys know if the gas station is open? His voice was so tip-of-my-tongue familiar. There's no power, I answered. "Uh, But the phone still works if you pay in advance. Who are you guys? You part of the emergency services crew or something? No, I said we work here and got snowed in. No shit. I was driving through and got stuck, been waiting in the car down the road for the last couple hours. But the engine just died. Thought I was going to freeze to death out here. I'm Donald. He shook our hands and we introduced ourselves before Jerry finally asked the question that was on my mind since we first saw this guy. Hey,
1: aren't you Donald Glover?
0: (laughs) He laughed.
1: Yeah, I am. you
0: did such a good Donald Glover.
1: I'm a big fan. I'm a really big fan of Donald Glover, so I'm going to try to do a good job.
0: Yeah, I am. I knew it. We were standing outside talking to a famous actor slash director, Donald Glover, at my gas station. Holy shit! I said, what are you doing here? I was just driving through. (laughs) Answered Grammy Award winning musical performer Donald Glover. You were just driving through on Christmas Eve? I asked. He shrugged. I got lost. Oh my god! Stop. <laughs> that's so good.
1: Thank you. I, I, I love anything from his comedy to Mystery Team to Atlanta to his oh, fucking Childish Gambino. So like I've done, I've done Childish Gambino at oh, karaoke before. <laughs> that's so good. I hope you're not egging me.
0: No, 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 no. Thank you. Because it just reminds me of what I've only seen him. Have you ever seen Mystery Team? No, but it's just reminding me of Community.
1: Uh, Another great one. Another great one, yeah.
0: (laughs) I looked at Jerry, then looked back at primetime Emmy awardee Donald Glover, who asked, so is it cool if I come inside and warm up? Of course. Yelled yelled Jerry before (laughs) handing a spare flashlight to multiple (laughs) Golden Globe winning writer slash comedian Donald Glover, (laughs) leading the way back to the school. Has this now turned into fan fiction? (laughs) Once we were back inside, we introduced O'Brien and Rosa to five-time WGA award recipient Donald Glover. I thought it was pretty cool. This is the second most famous person to ever step foot into the store if that really was Elvis that one time. But the girls were not impressed. In fact they seemed to be more concerned about why we were returning without O'Brien's pistol. Jerry explained that we were attacked by a herd of ninjas but O'Brien wasn't buying it. Before I could tell them about the birds the store phones started ringing again. I was the closest so I picked up while O'Brien gave Hollywood superstar Donald Glover a packing blanket to wrap up him. Hello, I said. The owner of the voice on the other end let out an annoyed growl and then said, Jack, it's me. Benjamin? How many times have I asked you not to use my name on the phone? Sorry. It was Benjamin, the crotchety bearded man that occasionally shows up at the gas station to shoot and blow things up. I would say (laughs) more, but that's literally almost everything I know about him.
1: What's going on over there? I'm looking at weather reports right now and the gas station looks like someone opened up a portal to the center of the ninth circle of hell.
0: Yeah, I said thanks for checking. By the way, I found your blog online.
1: Oh. What do you think? I think you don't know the difference between a clip and a magazine. From here on out, I would appreciate it if you left me out of your little stories. Okay, I will.
0: Are you going to be showing up this time? Negatory. I'm in Greece right now, just looking for a status report. Well, something beat the shit out of Spencer and we lost power again. Oh, by the way, does Sagoth ha- uh, Does Sagoth Has Risen mean anything to you? Sagoth? Yeah, that's the name of a
1: shape-shifting demon- If he's anywhere near the gas station, you boys need to hunker down and pray because that son of a bitch can look like anyone. He feeds off of pain and leaves his victims stripped of all of their skin."
0: Oh, damn, I said. It's a good thing we found Donald Glover when we did. (laughs) What followed was an agonizingly long pause. Hello, I said. Did I lose you? Who the hell is Donald Glover? Well, you know, the critically acclaimed musical genius. He performs under the pseudonym Childish Gambino. He's a rapper. He raps. Yeah, and I bet he's a great kisser too,
1: Jack. Did you somehow become dumber since the last time I saw you? What do you mean? Motherfucker. I just googled him. Donald Glover is at home with his family in Atlanta right now. You're in the
0: presence of a shape-shifting demon, or or maybe the one in Atlanta is the devil, and the real one is here in the gas station. He made that growling noise again and said,
1: uh, "The only way to kill a demon like this is to take off its head."
0: Goodbye, dumbass. And then the line went dead.
1: All my old people that I ever voice I always wish they were voiced by Rip Torn <laughs> I
0: know I remember Goodbye, dumbass <laughs> Jerry came and sat on the counter and said alright not making any offers or anything
1: I just want to know your opinion do you think we're more or less likely to have an orgy now that <laughs> Donald <laughs> Glover is here
0: Ah. <laughs> uh more likely Spencer just is a cuck (laughs) (laughs) I have to watch
1: (laughs) I do not appreciate watching
0: (laughs) Jerry oh man listen closely (laughs) I said in a low voice we have to kill Donald Glover okay he said hopping back to his feet let's do this like how (laughs) Jesus he didn't even need an explanation or anything we need to cut off his hand. Nice. <laughs> well, I had one ally on board, but I knew that convincing two more people to help us cover up yet another brutal murder at the gas station might be more difficult. Assuming we could even figure out a way to kill not Donald Glover, and also assuming that he really was a demon, and also assuming demons were even real, Benjamin was feeding me true information, and none of this was just a vivid hallucination caused by my rapidly deteriorating mental state. Man, when I lay it out all like that, it's a lot to take in. Uh, well, a lot to take on faith before committing uh, decapitation.
1: <laughs> it's it's good. It's good. Um, I think the addition of Donald Glover was a little much, but I, I, I like that it's almost going into the Rick and Morty-esque you know, we, we're dealing yeah, with shape-shifting, and, and maybe it's gonna get more ridiculous before it gets... before, you know, it works itself out. I'm not sure how differently the night would have gone if Spencer's phone hadn't started ringing right then, and I'm also not sure how I keep forgetting that since he's the only private cell... since he has the only private cellular network on the planet that reliably gets service out at the gas station.
0: We forgot to take his
1: phone! The last couple times Spencer and I crossed paths, it didn't go so well for me. I never learned how to fight or take a punch, but one thing I'm surprisingly good at is picking Spencer's pockets, especially whenever he's got a case of the bloodless blinders. Somewhere in a box in the storage, I have about a dozen phones I've stolen off of Spencer and Kiefer, his deceased former employer, but this go-around in my hurry to get him taped to a chair before he woke up, the idea of stealing his phone again had completely escaped me. You guys hear that? Asked Not Donald. (laughs) We all stood in a weird semicircle around him, and there was no possible way. We didn't all hear the ringing noise coming from just behind the supply closet door. O'Brien and Rosa were between Not Donald and the supply closet, with Jerry and me on the opposite side. We had him surrounded, and if only I could somehow telepathically convey to the others that we needed to jump him now while his guard was down, we might have a shot at incapacitating him while our skin was still intact. I don't hear anything, blurted Rosa between rings. She was probably the worst liar I'd ever witnessed. But now that she had a set the narrative, the d- others decided to commit. Yeah, me neither, said Jerry. Probs the wind. Donald the demon pointed at the supply closet and gave Jerry a raised eyebrow. You don't hear that? The ringing coming from right behind that door? No, said Jerry. Okay. What about you? He said to the deputy. Are you going to gaslight too? For some reason, O'Brien looked at me. I tried to make a hand gesture to say, He is a demon. We need to off his head. But I think it just confused the hell out of her. She and I should never play charades together. Yeah, it's nothing, she said. It's nothing. Why are you people being so weird right now? Rosa scoffed and said We're not being weird You're the one acting weird Okay He said (laughs) A silent moment passed (laughs) Then Demon Donald pointed his flashlight Right at O'Brien's eyes She flinched for a second Enough time for Demonald To dart past her to the supply closet door Wait I yelled But it was too late Demonald had opened the door what the hell is going on?" he asked pointing the flashlight at Spencer. O'Brien put her hands put up her hands and said, "It's okay. I can explain." Spencer started shouting. "Oh my god, please. Please help me. You've got to save me. These people are maniacs. They beat me and killed my wife. You have to help." Rosa Bad liar. Spencer, freaking amazing liar. O'Brien yelled, close the door, and took a step forward. Hey! Yelled demon-old. You stay back. Stay away from me. All of you! <laughs> Please, untie me. She's not really a cop. They killed people. So many people. Spencer started crying. Like, real, actual tears. I couldn't help it. I started slow clapping. Everyone turned their flashlights to me, except for Jerry, who was now clapping along. You gotta say something. You got something to say? Asked shapeshifter (laughs) formerly known as Donald.
0: (laughs) Yeah, how about we don't turn this into a huge farce? How about we all come clean in the spirit of Christmas? You're not really musical icon and famed television and movie star Donald Glover. You're really Sagoth, the shapeshifting demon. Do you have any idea
1: how ridiculous you sound right now? Asked, hopefully, Sagoth. Yeah. Yeah. I do, because I just said it. These people sobbed Spencer. They're crazy. (laughs) They're talking about demons and angels, and they're killing people. There's something wrong with them. Please run. Get help. Wait. Why was Spencer staying in character? I just told him that this was Sagoth. Why didn't he drop the act, unless... Sagoth wasn't the one that had beaten him senseless and left him propped up against our door. I felt a sudden pang of dread. The situation was spiraling out of control, way faster than I could keep up with it. O'Brien attempted damage control. Okay, everybody, everybody calm down. Donald, my name is Deputy Amelia O'Brien. You're a deputy? Yes. And you think I'm a demon? No, of course not. (laughs) I'm doing too many voices. (laughs) No, of course not. Do you want to take over uh, O'Brien? Do do you want to take over O'Brien? Yeah, so it's easier for you. No, of course not. But that guy does. And he waved the flashlight at me and then pointed it at Spencer. And this guy right here? He's a wanted criminal. Okay, so that's why you beat him up. And duct-taped him to a chair and hid him in a dark closet? Is that something deputies do? No, not exactly. Fuck this, I'm out. Before she could (laughs) say anything else, Donald turned... Donald, question mark. Turned and ran out the back door, letting another cold blast of freezing snow rush into the snore before O'Brien raced out after him. The only sound in the room for the next minute was Spencer laughing. No, not laughing cackling when he finished he said with a shitting grin this is getting fun i wanted to run out after them as stupid as it sounds if i had been able to run i would have but they were gone and o'brien was an adult who made her own decision all i could do is wait and the time crept by slowly waiting for her to return Intrusive mental images of a demon flaying my friend did not help Neither did Spencer's comments Hey, Rosa, isn't it? She looked up Shut up I said Let me ask you just one question What exactly did Jack tell you about me? Huh? Did he try to sell you that horse shit about me being some kind of sociopath? Rose answered "Uh, The exact word he used was psychopath And Spencer laughed again No, I've never hurt anyone before in my entire life I came out here for Jack I'm worried about him You know what he has, right? You know what FFI does to your brain? He shouldn't be out here near other people he needs to be in a hospital where he can't hurt anybody else what do you mean anybody else a crutch walked over to spencer and considered hitting him but decided against it for two reasons first that would have been embarrassingly ineffective and second it was obvious that that's what he wanted he was trying to flip rosa and prove that i was the bad guy I don't know why I thought it was a good idea to engage in conversation.
0: Do you have any idea how annoying it is to live with what you did to my leg?
1: I'd bet it's not half as bad as what you did to any of the folks you killed. Why don't we ask Kiefer? Or how about my old boss? Hey, I didn't kill your old boss. A second passed before he cracked a smile and I realized what I had done. What about Kiefer? He asked in a soft, nervous voice from behind me.
0: Oh. Yeah. Uh, him either. I-, I didn't kill anybody.
1: Now let me ask you a question, Jack. You know, cause you're in such an honest mood right now. Whatever happened to Carlos, huh? I've been sitting here in the dark all night and I can't shake this weird thought. Am I the only one <laughs> that wants to know why Carlos isn't here? I looked at Jerry and put him and said,
0: Put him in the cooler.
1: We wheeled the psychopath into the walk-in, double-checked that the duct tape was secure, then closed the door and propped a chair up against the handle. He could scream to his tiny black heart's content in there and it wouldn't bother us. Ten more minutes passed by before O'Brien returned to the store. He got away, she said as she dusted the snow off of her jacket. Jerry shattered a glass beer bottle against the wall and pointed the jagged fragment at her, yelling,
0: Nice try, demon! (laughs) She glared at him and said, If you come near me with that thing, you better be ready to use it, because either I'm going down or you are. He's right. What? Asked Rosa and O'Brien at the same time. O'Brien was alone out there with Sagoth. For how long? We have no idea if you're really you anymore. Jack, I think you're confused. Rosa raised her hand and
1: said, Why don't we just ask her something that only the real O'Brien would know? Good idea, said Jerry. Is Jack circumcised? Dear.
0: Nice. (laughs) How the hell would I know that?
1: She answered her. I answered (laughs) Jerry, (laughs) Jerry looked at me, then back at her, then back at me. Oh, were you two not... Oh. I'm sorry. I think I totally misread that entire situation. Remind me to kick your ass later. Taking the words right out of my mouth, before pointing her flashlight at the empty supply closet.
0: Where's Spencer?
1: I explained that he was trying to get into our heads, and we had no choice but to put him in there. It was self-defense. Amazingly, she didn't disagree. It took a minute for the situation to calm down, but eventually Jerry lowered his bottle knife and agreed that we can all just keep an eye on one another until daylight and backup came. I lit the last of our candles and placed them all around the store, then got O'Brien alone in a corner. Jerry was still eyeballing us pretty hard, so I whispered,
0: there's something I, th- I think you need to see. What is it? She whispered back. I can't see exactly. I-, I need to show you. Okay, where is it? I need Spencer's phone.
1: Let me guess. Is it still on him? I nodded. In the middle of Spencer's mind games, I had once again forgotten to steal his sense, uh, his cell phone. I'll be right back, she said. I followed as close behind as possible as she crossed to the cooler and pulled back the chair. I definitely didn't love the idea of opening that cooler door. Every time I think of Spencer, I convince myself that he's already figured out a way to escape and he's just a few seconds from falling down on me and from (laughs) falling down on me from the ceiling like evil Spider-Man. "'What's she doing?' asked Jerry in an atypical voice that I would call concerned if it were coming from anyone else. We didn't answer. Instead, O'Brien opened the door, pointed her flashlight at the still-smiling Spencer, and walked up to him. I waited until she had put her flashlight on a shelf and reached her hand into Spencer's pocket before I sprung into action, slamming the cooler door shut and pushing the chair back into place. I could hear her muffled scream and slams against the other side of the metal door. I'm sorry. I whispered. Dude, what the hell was that? I leaned my back against the cooler and looked at the shocked faces of Jerry and Rosa.
0: Had I made a mistake? If that really is what Brian then we'll we'll know in a few hours when help arrives. If it isn't then we've got the demon exactly where we need it.
1: What demon? Screamed the ever inquisitive Rosa. When did you start talking angels and demons? I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt, but a person has to have their limits. All I know is that you've been acting strange all night and then your friend shot me with a taser in my sleep and then you come in with this guy that you're all fanboying over so hard I expect you to start drinking his bathwater,
0: and then out of nowhere you start saying he's a demon? Uh, well, when you put it like that, sure. I guess this does look bad. And where's the
1: gun, huh? You two go outside and then Jerry just loses the gun? How do you know he didn't take it? Yeah, yelled Jerry. How do you know you didn't take it? I gave him my coldest stare I want to let O'Brien out of the cooler Right now please And she crossed her arms and started tapping her foot I can't do that Why not She called me Jack
0: So yeah Echoed Jerry so what So She never calls me Jack She calls me Crutches Or Weirdo Boy Or some other slightly Insensitive pet name i've never heard her call me jack before
1: hmm he does make a compelling point shut up it was too late spencer had put the roots of doubt into rose's mind and there was nothing i could say that would get her back on board fortunately for me i didn't have to say anything because right then the front doors opened and o'brien walked in he got away she said as she dusted the snow off of her jacket jerry shattered another glass beer bottle against the wall and pointed the jagged fragment at her yelling <laughs> nice try demon she glared at him and said if you come near me with that thing you better be ready to use it because either i'm going down or you are Far. Far? <laughs> how how did you get out rosa stammered get out of what she asked oh check it out jerry said to the room It's Rosa's first time witnessing something paranormal. Let's see how she reacts. O'Brien put her hands up and said, What the hell are you talking about? And why is there a chair next to the cooler? And where's duct tape, boy? Rosa fainted. And as strange as this sounds, it's probably a good thing she wasn't conscious for this next part. (laughs) as sad as I am that Donald Glover's gone I don't know how long I could have done a Donald (laughs) Glover impression it was fucking
0: perfect (laughs) thank
1: you (laughs) I do love Community I did rewatch it a a couple months ago
0: it only went downhill when (laughs) when I had to balance four characters (laughs) well no when Troy left
1: Mm. even then I'd argue that the latter seasons still had value
0: Did you ever hear the one about the guy who thought the fireman was an arsonist? Admittedly, it's not a very good joke, and even if it were, I'm awful at delivery. People usually think I'm trying to be funny when I'm not, and same for the other way around. At any rate, the punchline is something to the effect of, every time there's a fire, he's there. Feel free to forget that joke if you want to. It's not important. I just, you know, something I was thinking about. Jerry covered Rosa with a blanket and made every attempt to keep her comfortable while I tried to explain the situation to O'Brien.
1: So you're telling me that there's an evil doppelganger inside the cooler?
0: Yeah. And how do you know that, that that's what it is? A magic radio and a monster hunter told us. I just do. I need more than that to go on. Please just don't go into the cooler until after help has arrived. You can wait a few more hours, right? I could see the gears turning in her head and had to wonder if she thought it was crazy. Or if she was about to rip our flesh and feed on our suffering. Surely if this actually were the shapeshifter, there wouldn't be any better opportunity to start to start picking us off. Two of us were locked in the cooler. One of us was unconscious. I've never been much of a fighter, even with all of my limbs. And Jerry was... Well, Jerry. Obviously... She did not kill me and eat me, so I was forced to assume that this really was the original O'Brien, and the one in the cooler was the double. But my confidence level in, in anything, reality included, had hit zero and started digging a long time ago. A pair of headlights lit up the room. We both looked outside of the snow truck pulling up into the parking lot. I couldn't believe it, the cavalry was early. In my experience, anything can happen at the gas station, but seriously, that never happens. The Calvary was Saul Berthelot, the retired school bus driver and owner-operator of the only snowplow in town. He must have had plans for Christmas because people around here aren't exactly known for finishing ahead of schedule, especially Saul, and especially on the taxpayer dime. But I'll take my miracles where I can get them these days. Saul pulled up next to the pump, too, honked a couple times, and waved at me. O'Brien stated the obvious. I think the Jagoff wants you to turn on the pump. Well, he knows the pumps don't work without electricity, doesn't he? I'm guessing he does not. None of us wanted to open the door and go back into the freezing cold, but when the pumps hadn't magically switched on after a few seconds, Saul decided it would be a good idea to lean on the horn (laughs) until somebody came out to help him. O'Brien pulled out her car keys and started for the door. "'Where are you going?' I asked, stumbling after her and trying to not make it sound like I suspected she might be on her way to kill him and strip his flesh. "'I have a
1: can of gas in my trunk. I was going to help him on his way, if that's all
0: right with you, Jack.' "'Oh, fuck.' I suddenly felt very small. It's bad enough not being able to trust my own eyes or memories or mind, It's so much worse not being able to trust my friends. Hang on a second. Jerry said before O'Brien pushed the door open. You just called Jack, Jack. So? She asked. Jerry looked at me and waved his hands in the air. Your entire basis for locking the other
1: O'Brien in the cooler was that she called you Jack. O'Brien shook her head at me. I call you Jack all the time. It's your name, dumbass.
0: Don't open that door. Behind Jerry, Rosa was floating with her eyes rolled back into pupils. pupilless. Oh, her eyes rolled back into pupilless white bulges. He looked, he looked back at her and casually said, Oh, snap. She's floating again.
1: It is not safe. Something has found you.
0: It is waiting. Hungry. Outside. She slowly started to rise into the air by a few more inches until Jerry grabbed her around the waist. I'm gonna have to tie her to a chair or a
1: doorknob or something, (laughs) do you remember? Where Benjamin left all that paracord.
0: There is something on the roof. I looked her in the eye area and asked... Now, this is like a metaphorical something on the roof. You fools! There is something on the roof! <laughs> With that, Rosa pointed out the glass doors up at the covered awning over the gas pumps at the thing leaning over the edge, staring down at the snowball. <laughs> what followed is actually pretty difficult to describe. When we saw it, the three of us had a shared moment, a visceral animal reaction like a nut punch to the soul. <laughs> Before that instant, I had seen some things, truly bizarre things, that many people might have considered horrific. My own exposed bones, a clan of nudist zombies, a snake and a spider hybrid, I could keep on listing these things all day, but my point is, after this, I'm going to have to completely re-examine my concept of horrific. The very image of that creature. Which is not even the right word for it, if human language is, you know, even uh, human language is even capable of one. Was something that eyes were never meant to see. It forced our minds way past fight or flight into some third option. Like my brain simply gave up and shot its pants. We all said it at the same time. Fuck. <laughs> Rosa fell into Jerry's arms with her eyes closed, and he dropped onto her yeah he did and he dropped her onto the ground like a sack of dog food (laughs) we were all transfixed at the horrendous beast on the ledge of the pump awning its head was the size of a beach ball shaped more or less like an enormous skull the eyes were sunken charcoal pockets that didn't appear to move in time or relation with the rest of its body sort of like balls of smoke two nostrils slits above a half open mouth filled with disorganized rows of serrated, chalk-white teeth like those of a shark, each one about the size of my thumb. It had two spiraling horns, both at least a yard in length, and shiny black marble in appearance. The thing's clawed hands were tipped in jagged talons, blacker than black, and its skin resembled that of a third-degree burn. Pinkish deposits of scar tissue glued upon layers of giant ropey muscles. Even more interesting was that we could see the beast in all of its monstrous glory outlined against the sky. Even though there was no light out there other than the ones on the snowplow. Our eyes were picking up. A whole new wavelength outside of the normal visible spectrum. It was all coming from this thing. Three-way jinx! yelled out Jerry temporarily snapping the rest of us back into reality, and in all likelihood saving us from losing what was left of our minds. O'Brien fell to the ground and started violently barfing. Hey, yelled Saul from inside his truck. You guys got any gas left or what? As much as I didn't want to look back at those doors, I had to. Saul was about to do something he had no idea (laughs) would be the single worst mistake of his life. I feel like maybe I should tell you a little bit more about Saul. When I was still too young to drive, I would have to make a half a mile. I'd have to walk half a mile every morning to my area's school bus pickup spot spot at 530 a.m. My house was close to Saul's hunting camp where he parked the school bus. So that meant I was always first on the bus route. And if I were ever late, he would leave without me. But depending on how hungover he was, he might not start driving until 630 or 7. Which meant I would have to stand in the middle of a dirt field next to the road for up to an hour and a half at the point of each day when mosquitoes were waking up. <laughs> After his wife left him, he became a much more intolerable drunk, and his kids would show up to school with bruises and broken teeth. He would spend hours at the gas station sometimes refilling the same cup of coffee over and over, and droning on to anybody that would listen to him about which new group of people he had decided was ruining his country. <laughs> One time, his name came up on transmission.
1: There is a man, Saul lot. He cries alone in deer Stand. His blood alcohol content is 0.3110. He owns 42 firearms. His favorite color is purple.
0: I guess my point, if I even have one, is that Saul was a shitty breast driver, a shitty husband and father, Shitty customer, a shitty person, probably a shitty hunter too. He was a lot like most people in this town, actually. But even still, I did not want to watch him get his skin ripped off. I got to the front doors and pushed them out open at the same time Saul was stepping out of his snow truck. I screamed, Stay inside your vehicle! Either Saul hadn't heard me or he decided to ignore it choosing instead to down the rest of his 41-ounce natty light before tossing it into the snow. Saul, go back to your truck. There's a gas leak or something. He was a couple yards from his truck when he looked at me and yelled back, Fuck you. I need to take a piss. The creature (laughs) lurched forward from the edge of the awning, reached its left arm down with the speed of a mousetrap, (laughs) snatched Saul into the air by his feet. The beast pulled Saul Dangling upside down, screaming and cursing close to its mouth. Saul was extremely lucky that he was always that he always kept a loaded pistol tucked into his pants. Not because that helped him survive the situation. No, he died. Like so much dead, but at least the pistol saved him from what could have been a feast of agony for the thing on the awning. Which I had deduced by now was actually the real demon Sagoth. He popped off a couple rounds into the demon's face, but the mortal weapon was as ineffective as a bee sting. All it did was piss off the demon enough to slam Saul, full forced against the concrete pavement below. When he picked the man back up, his broken body dangled lifelessly in the monster's hand. With its other hand, it poked at Saul a few few times, then with one of its talons opened the man up and spilled his blood. Onto the snow. Wow. As far as last words go, fuck, fuck you. I need to take a piss. Are probably not the ones you want on your tombstone. <laughs> I felt myself being yanked backwards by my shirt collar, and tossed onto the floor of the nice of the gas station before O'Brien closed and locked the door. Yeah, nice. Lock the door. That deadbolt will. Be sure to stop the 20 foot tall demon creature from coming inside. She pulled me to my feet, said one word Weapons. We stayed as far away from the door as possible while we turned the place inside. Uh, while we turned the place inside out, looking for whatever we could use to defend ourselves. But it was seriously sl- slim pickings broken glass shards, chair legs, a pair of spare crutches, three pocket knives. We didn't have what it took to kill that thing outside if we wanted to if it wanted us to. I can't believe he's dead lamented O'Brien as she collected a few bottles of our more flammable liquor. Just like that. Well Jerry answered as he duct taped a pocket knife to the edge of a chair leg. He died doing what he loved shooting stuff. O'Brien shook her head in disgust. Jerry caught the gesture and asked, Oh, I'm sorry. Were you and Rando close? Dude, I said. I know tensions are high because it's Christmas and all, but read the room. A man just died. So what? Jerry said defensively. Somebody dies every 600 milliseconds. We can't function
1: if we have to grieve every single one of them. Are we really going to pretend that any of us are broken up over that red shirt? If we can be perfectly honest for a second, the value of human life out here at the gas station is grossly over-exaggerated, and out of the six people inside this building, Rosa is probably the only one of us that hasn't killed anybody.
0: He stared at me and O'Brien, daring us to call him on that. We all just stood still, trying to think of what to say, but there really wasn't anything to say at all. For all his faults, Jerry could be very uh, Jerry-ish sometimes, and it's easy for me to forget that when I first met him. He was trying to get me to join a murder cult. Well, I finally said, it's only her first day. (laughs) We allowed ourselves a short awkward laugh before going back to hunting for weapons. I can't say exactly how much time had passed, but the three of us were ripping open every box in the supply closet when we heard Rosa say hey guys what happened we looked back and saw her standing in the doorway pointing Saul's revolver at the floor where did you get that asked O'Brien I saw this thing just sitting there on the ground
1: outside did you guys know that there's a snow truck
0: out there how did you get it O'Brien asked even though I think we all knew the answer already I just walked outside and picked it up Why? The annoyance in her voice had ticked up a notch. Don't do that again. Why not? The annoyance in her voice had ticked up a couple more notches. Don't worry about it. Jerry jumped in with,
1: You didn't really happen to see a terrifyingly huge hell monster while you were out there, did you?
0: She squinted at him and said, No. Why? Did you lose one? O'Brien reached out, snatched the gun from her hand. Hey! Sorry,
1: I, I didn't feel like explaining to everybody why I'm the only one that should have a gun right now.
0: That's fair. I wasn't even mad. I was, however, mad at the plan that she laid out next. Desperate times call for desperate measures, and there was only one resource we had purposely neglected to tap before now. Whatever was left inside of the cooler we were going to need help fighting the thing outside, and whether I liked it or not, Spencer was a survivor. O'Brien checked the revolver to see that we had four bullets left. That would almost certainly not be enough if we needed it. The deputy opened the door, gun in hand while the rest of us stood close, behind holding flashlights. Our job was to collectively point them into the eyes of anybody or anything that might try to jump out at us, if it came to that. We didn't know what to expect when they opened the door. But the first thing we saw was the empty chair that Spencer had been duct taped to. Hello? O'Brien called into the room. Is anybody alive in there? After a few seconds with no response, she stepped into the cooler and I immediately regretted going along with his plan. Spencer flew in from next to the cooler door, hooked an arm around O'Brien's gun and spun her right into the wall. The gun clacked to the ground, and we all tried pointing our flashlights at him, but he was just too freaking fast. He planted the solid boot into Jerry's solar plexus, sending him crashing into the wall across from the cooler door, snatched a handful of Rose's hair, yanking her into the cooler with him. Before O'Brien could even stand up, Spencer rose in a chokehold with a pencil that, he u- that we used for inventory counts, pressed tightly against her neck. You guys get bored without me or something, he taunted. I kept my flashlight trained on him as he slowly backed into the cooler. The deputy's handcuffs were still around his wrists, but the chain had been snapped, and now it was nothing more than a pair of fancy bracelets. Dude, listen. Shut up, he yelled back.
1: Here's how this is going to work.
0: First. Crack! Spencer realized Rosa... uh, Spencer released Rosa and fell to the ground, his head colliding with the floor and bouncing. Behind him stood, oh shit, not this again, (laughs) Spencer, holding the weapon he had just bludgeoned the other Spencer with, the same flashlight that the O'Brien double had taken into the cooler, and I was just starting to realize the same exact flashlight that I had given to the Don Glover double earlier that night. Damn. Said Spencer, the conscious one. Is that what I look like? I am one sexy motherfucker. The expression on his face changed once he spotted something on the cooler floor. I followed his eyes to where he saw where he was looking and saw it. Saul's revolver. O'Brien leapt for it at the same time as Spencer and they both collided before reaching it. They went flying into the shelves. O'Brien catching most of the impact and I dove into the cooler, finding the disgusting, sticky ground, and feeling around in the dark until my hands felt the cold, heavy piece of metal. I pointed it at Spencer, but there was no way I was going to get a clear shot, especially with Rose's wild flashlight job. Spencer threw O'Brien into the rolling chair, and she flipped over onto the floor. He wiped a bead of blood from his face and took a step towards me, but that's as far as he made it before another body jumped out of the dark tackled him from the side. Here's where things got even more confusing. Pencil Spencer landed on top of Flashlight Spencer and started punching him hard, but not hard enough. In no time, Flashlight Spencer had slammed his flashlight into Pencil Spencer's fist and then slammed him onto his back and started wailing on him. I had my gun aimed right at them both, completely not sure what to do. I looked at O'Brien and said, I don't know which one is the real Spencer. Who fucking cares? She yelled back. Shoot them both. Flashlight Spencer stopped punching. He and Pencil Spencer both looked at me and said, Huh? I hesitated. Pencil Spencer stabbed the pencil into Flashlight Spencer's shoulder and twisted. Flashlight Spencer winced and jumped off of him. Right then, Jerry called out from the cooler doorway. Hey, butt brain! He was holding a lit Molotov cocktail, but not for long. Before I had time to scream, Bad idea, he had pitched the damn thing at Flashlight Spencer, who fucking caught it in his fucking hand. And when just I I thought things couldn't get any crazier, Pencil Spencer punched the still-burning weapon hard enough to make it shatter into a blue fireball that lit up the entire room for just a moment before burning out and leaving us all in the dark, trying to catch our breaths. Rosa pointed her flashlight at the figure running out the cooler, and then Spencer, Spencer, (laughs) Spencer ran right through Jerry like he was made out of balloons and then disappeared out the back door. After a couple seconds, we collectively remembered that there was still a Spencer in the room with us and pointed our flashlights around to find him. First, I looked at where he just was, finding nothing but specks of blood and broken shelves. Then I pointed at O'Brien, and then Rosa, who was sitting on the ground, pointing a flashlight at me. And then the other Rosa, who was sitting right next to her, holding an identical flashlight. (laughs) The Rosas both crawled quickly to opposite sides of the cooler, and then stared at one another with the exact same look of frozen shock, while O'Brien stood between them and spoke. Okay, so
1: here's the deal. One of you is the shapeshifter. That's the one I'm talking to right now. We didn't come in here to hurt you. We came in here because we need your help. There's something outside the gas station that just killed a man.
0: I watched both of their faces and instantly knew one Rosa looked up at O'Brien and asked in a soft voice
1: somebody died
0: <laughs> the other waited a, about a second too late to mimic the look of fear and concern on the real Rosa's face I walked right up to the shapeshifter and said you're busted she looked at me with that sweet little what, what, did, I what do did I do <laughs> look but it wasn't fooling me and then the, the look changed into a wry smile and then she chuckled Hey, what can I do? You got me. So, I started. Who is Sagoth? She got to her feet as she answered, Oh,
1: I don't doubt you've got a ton of questions, but I don't have the time or desire to answer them. This has been a nice distraction, but if what you say is true, then I need to get to work
0: could have escaped any time you wanted.
1: Yeah, but you humans are such curious creatures, and I needed something to do to pass the time until Sagoth showed up. Well, I'll be off, and when you wake up, you won't remember
0: any of this." The double waved its hands, or waved its hand, and and O'Brien, Jerry, and Rosa all fell to the floor, unconscious. I looked at each of them just to make sure they were still breathing. And then back the mimic Rosa in front of me.
1: Well, that certainly is strange, but it's time for you to go to sleep.
0: Ah! I bl- she waved her hand again. I blinked a couple times. What? She said. <laughs> I don't sleep. I said back, I thought I told you that. You may have told
1: Rosa, but I can't copy memories, Jack. Just voices and faces.
0: Who are you? I really don't have time for that. I pointed the revolver at her and squeezed the trigger. Now I know that sounds bad, and I'm sure you moral absolutionists out there are probably thinking to yourselves, "Oh, I would have, I would not have done that if I were in this situation." <laughs> well, you know what? You weren't, and I was, and I I was actually pretty pissed off. Not just because this asshole had been screwing with us, using us as bait to lure out the real demon and letting us all go super paranoid on one another this whole time. But also because after all of this, after everything I'd been through that night, he just announced that I was going to be the one, the only one, to remember any of it. Besides, I'd already worked out that a bullet to the chest wasn't going to kill it. Ouch! It screamed, immediately transforming into O'Brien before my eyes. Why would you do that? All I wanted to do was help you.
1: But if you have to... But if I have to kill you to get
0: to Sagoth, I will. And you're not... I shot it again, aiming for center mass like Benjamin always says. The creature immediately transformed into Jerry. It smiled, and I shot again. And that's when it turned into someone else. It turned into her. She who shall not be named. The girl that would haunt my dreams if I were capable of having any. The creature looked at me with her green eyes and, and asked,
1: Well, are you going to
0: shoot me again? I sighed and lowered the gun. What's the point? It changed one last time, and then I was standing in my own presence. And I gotta say, I didn't realize how rough I was starting to look. I desperately needed a haircut. And the circles under my eyes had their own shadows. My cheekbones were getting more pronounced, and I was even skinnier than I had looked in the mirror. Jack...
1: I'm going to tell you something I've never told a human before. To me, your kind are a lot like hamsters. I don't feel compelled to explain my actions or motivations to people because you are so primitive and unevolved that you simply couldn't wrap your tiny mind around it anyway. Okay, that's fair. There is no such thing as demons. Sagoth is my responsibility. He sleeps inside, one of the wrinkles of your universe, but something has awoken him. Something even I don't know. Every century or so, I have to put him back
0: to sleep, which is why I'm here. Not to hurt you, but to help. Benjamin, in (laughs) case you're reading this right now, you were wrong. Again, also, fuck you. The legends started a long time
1: ago. (laughs) I'm sorry, that's really funny. Benjamin has been wrong. So many times throughout this entire series. The legends started a long time ago of a demon. People saw a shapeshifter every time Sagoth awoke and feasted, and before long, humans conflated us.
0: Oh, I said, Firefighter.
1: I'm going to stop Sagoth from destroying your world now, Jack. But before I do, there's one last piece of information I want to leave you with. When I take somebody's form, I don't see memories, but I can feel what's inside of them. In lack of a better term, I'm what your kind calls an empath. Okay. You and your friends here are all kinds of messed up. You would need an army of psychiatrists to untangle the mental slinkies inside your minds. Thanks. That's not what I wanted to say your fucked up brains aren't all that special but the other one Spencer I looked inside of him and all I saw was nothing absolutely nothing the same as I see when I look at a table or a rock
0: he's just a black void yeah I responded I actually already knew that I took a step back and let my doppelganger walk out of the cooler and then right out the front doors. The rest of the night passed without an incident. The others slept where they fell, but I tried to make them comfortable with blankets and pillows made out of bags of stale <laughs> bread. While the sun came up, I cleaned enough to fill four contractor bags. Then I started writing up inventory loss slips for everything that had been damaged in the fights. It's amazing how productive you can be when you don't sleep. After everything was back in order, I sat in my chair behind the register and read for about an hour or so while the others slept off whatever the uh, shapeshifter had done to them. Our first customer walked into the store a little while after that. I didn't bother looking up for my book, because I I already posted a sign on the front door that said we didn't have electricity and couldn't sell gas or run cards or accept cash, and nothing worked. I added my own festive touch to the bottom with a drawing of a Christmas tree customer walked up to the counter interrupted my book right when it was finally starting to get interesting excuse me do you have any band-aids i looked up from my book and saw that the man standing there was spencer fucking middleton complete with a pencil still sticking out of his shoulder i quickly reached for the gun which i had left on the counter realized that it wasn't even there anymore Spencer lifted the revolver and asked, Was this what you were looking for? Feels a little light.
1: Did you think you were going to take me out with the first shot?
0: I slowly dog-eared my page, placed the book on the counter before asking, Is there any way you're actually just the shapeshifter? Spencer shook his head. A minute later, we were back outside in the knee-deep snow behind the gas station. Spencer dug the barrel of the gun into my back and walked me towards the woods. Before we got there, he said, Stop. And then he looked around, smelled the air, smiled and pulled a long knife out of its sheath on his belt. Yeah, this will work. Are you left handed or right handed? Why? I asked. Never mind. He grabbed my left hand and sliced my pinky off, cl- just clean off then grabbed both of my crutches and yanked them away from me. I hit the thick blanket of snow, and I hugged my rapidly bleeding hand wound against my stomach. The hot, wet liquid pouring out strangely felt comforting as it warmed my torso.
1: Nothing personal. I just needed
0: some bait. I
1: got a new boss now, and he wants me to bag and tag something special. Do me a favor and keep on bleeding. It won't take long for the thing to catch your scent. For what it's worth, if this thing doesn't kill you, I'll
0: let you live. He turned and began to walk away. Hey, Spencer! <laughs> I yelled after him. He stopped. Yeah? You're a dick. <laughs> it just makes you
1: think of, uh... I used to think of Book of Mormon, he's like, you blamed your brother for eating the doughnut. It's, it's yes, you're a dick. <laughs> Jesus, I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't believe Jesus
0: called me a dick. <laughs> he laughed and walked back into the gas station, carrying my crutches under his arm. I laid on my back, looking up at the sky, and heard the familiar sound of that gas station door closing, followed by the familiar scraping noise of the deadbolt going into place. If I were going to give survival uh, survival the old college try, it would have to be now or never. I pushed myself along with my good hand and leg, leaving a sloppy trail of bloody snow behind me. Maneuvering in my condition was going to be difficult, to say the least, and I could sense that my vision was beginning to tunnel which, for me, is a particularly bad prospect. If I lose consciousness, it means I'm dead. I managed to pull myself all the way to the side of the gas station before I finally decided that this was a waste of time. (laughs) I wasn't getting back inside, and even if I did, Spencer would pull me right back out. There was nothing left to do but hope for one more miracle. Hey, Jack, what are you doing out here? I looked up to see my old friend Tom With his white hair perfectly matching the snowy landscape, Tom was the first deputy that sent out to baby, that they sent out to babysit us and the first one to die. I squeezed my bloody nub under my armpit to try and slow (coughs) the bleeding as I worked out if I was looking at a ghost, a hallucination, or the shapeshifter and realized that I genuinely couldn't tell. Spencer's using me for bait. Tom instantly morphed, morphed into a seven-foot-tall, 400-pound Samoan covered in scars and tribal tattoos. Well, that limited the options down to hallucination or shapeshifter. That punk is back, he barked. Yeah. Well, I guess I need to teach him a lesson about... He stopped and, and turned back to the woods. Something out there was crunching loudly through the forest, snapping through the branches, causing a hell of a lot of noise as it approached. The Samoan figure crouched next to me and whispered, Sorry, it looks like we don't have time to get you out of here. Sagoth has smelled your
1: blood, and now he comes for you. That sucks. Listen to me very closely. There's one thing you need to know about Sagoth. He has one weakness, and that is this. He cannot hurt you if you don't look at him. Do you understand? No. close your eyes no matter what happens no matter what you hear keep your eyes shut until you hear me say the word salutem until then he will do everything he can to trick you into opening your eyes once you do that all bets are off he'll start with your eyelids do you
0: understand still no the shapeshifter sighed and said, Close your eyes. Uh, right then, I saw it. Segoth. Pushing his way through the forest. He stood as tall as the trees, horrendous and humanoid, with an aura of inconceivable terrors, and a face that screamed all things dark and hateful. I shut my eyes and instantly felt blessed relief. It's okay, said a sweet, gentle voice. You can look now. It's safe. He will do everything he can to trick you into opening your eyes. Um, no, that's okay, I said. From behind me, I heard O'Brien screaming, Jack, help me! (laughs) He does to do better than that. All at once, I felt them crawling all over me. Insects. They chirped and squeaked as they flooded up my pants leg and under my clothes and even into my nose, ears, and mouth. I gagged and swatted at them, but I still pressed my eyes shut as hard as I could. A burning heat blasted across my face as I heard the giant being scream from inches away.
1: Maggot, open your eyes and behold your damnation.
0: No thanks, I yelled back. <laughs> <laughs> That's right,
1: cough, bitch. Yeah, I'm sorry, that voice took it out of me. <laughs> that was really good. Thank you.
0: Reminded of me of like a Urukai. And then he brought out the big guns. The next thing I knew, I was falling. There was no earth beneath me, only air whipping against my skin as I plummeted down, down, down. It's a good thing I'm such a coward, because I think squeezing my eyes shut in a situation like that was actually my natural reaction. After falling for what felt like ages, I finally landed in a a warm ocean. This was about to get really tough. I kicked and screamed. Oh, excuse me. Reg- <laughs> slight, re- oh, slight regurgitation. Steph, my stepsis pulled down her panties Ooh. and said, Oh, Chinese. Okay <laughs> <Again? laughs> I kicked and screamed at the water around me with no idea which way was up or down. I was certain that I was about to drown, but still, I kept my eyes shut. Eventually, I could feel myself rising. The air left in my lungs was maybe possibly enough to pull me to the surface. I held off for as long as I could, until my lungs ached with a pain that was almost as bad as death. And still, I had not broken the surface. This was it. The moment I would finally die. But if I had to go, I I wasn't going to give that douchebag demon the satisfaction of knowing he had beaten me. I kept my eyes shut. Put up two middle fingers and took a deep breath of water, which of course turned out to be air. As soon as I inhaled, I was transported back to the snow-covered patch of dirt next to the gas station, completely dry and still freezing to death. The air suddenly reeked of boiled eggs, and a girl's voice said into my ear, Salutem. You can open your eyes, Jack. Sagoth is back where he belongs. I cautiously opened one eyelid and looked at the amazingly beautiful woman standing beside me and asked her, so he's gone? For now. It's interesting. Most
1: people crack at the spiders and look, but you got all the way to the ocean. I don't expect this to mean much to you, but
0: I'm actually impressed. A metal pole erupted out of the center of her chest, and she fell to her knees, coughing up copious amounts of blood. She looked down at the thing with a bewildered expression, then fell over onto her side. The pole was thin like an arrow, covered in serrated hooks. And once she hit the ground, I could see that it was actually a spear. The other end of it protruded from her back, with a black cord connected to it running all the way across the yard to the feet of Spencer Middleton. He dropped the harpoon gun and whistled to himself as he walked the the distance to where the shapeshifter was still gagging, still twitching, grabbing onto the pole that that had impaled her. As he came closer, she started changing from one form to the other, giant bodybuilder and Olympic style wrestler, a morbidly obese man, a child, Jerry, O'Brien, me, Spencer, and then it started switching faster and faster. Ten different people each second, all of them holding onto the spear, bleeding out onto the snow. They went through a hundred of them before it finally stopped and settled on that of a frail old Asian woman, tiny and wrinkled, with more white hair than black, huddled in a fetal position as tears rolled down the side of her nose onto the snow. Something told me that If the shapeshifter had a true form, I was looking at it.
1: Struggle all you like, Spencer said to her. That spear is a tungsten silver alloy. You can't pull it out or break it. I own you. And in a minute, dead or alive, I'm going to
0: sell you. He grabbed her around the neck and dragged her away. All I could do was watch them go. She connected eyes with me until Spencer had dragged her around the side of the gas station and then that was it. I was alone. I couldn't move anymore. Even breathing was begin beginning to become a near impossible task. I thought about how strange this was going to look to Jerry or O'Brien or whoever was going to be unlucky enough to find me out here clutching my four-fingered hand under my armpit staring out at the forest the blood in the snow was already being erased under a slow flurry of snowflakes. And after an hour or less, it would look like none of this would had, had ever even happened. People knew I had mental illness issues, so this wouldn't even be front-page news. The only curiosity will be, I wonder what happened to his finger. Oh, well, there are certainly worse ways to go, especially in a world with monsters like Sagoth and Spencer. I watched the snowflakes fall and focused all my effort on the labor of drawing in one more breath, and then one more, and then one more after that. It might be pointless, but I'm going to get my last few seconds. And then the back door opened and somebody came over to my side, grabbed me by the shirt collar and started dragging. He dragged me through the back hall and instantly I felt the blood rushing through my veins all over again. He took me all the way into the front of the store and dropped me onto my back before crouching down next to me and smiling. I told you I'd let you live if I caught what I wanted. And a deal
1: is a deal, right?
0: I took a deep breath of warm air and tried to find the right words to tell Spencer just how much I hated him, but I couldn't. He didn't seem to need me to anyway.
1: You know what, Jack? Maybe things aren't meant to change Maybe things are the way they are for a reason I mean, it's been up and down for both of us We've both lost so many friends here at the gas station Kiefer, Carlos, Tom, that hunter asshole from this morning But at the end of the day, only two things are constant You and me you're like the shitty batman to my awesome joker and don't worry about the shapeshifter i just handed her off to my new boss and uh she won't be bothering you anymore
0: he stared out the doors at something i couldn't see and smiled a big smug self-satisfied smile you're right some things never change Like how you never remember that I can pick your pockets. Hey, Spencer? I said as soon as my voice came back to me. Yeah? He asked. I'm right-handed. I stuck the tip of the revolver into his stomach and pulled the trigger. The look on his face was that of...
1: I cannot believe that shit just happened.
0: He fell onto his ass, looked at the gun in my hand, and then and then looked the rapidly growing circle of blood on his shirt.
1: You little piece of shit.
0: O'Brien final-fuckingly woke up and ran out of the cooler into the front room, yelling, What was that noise? Jack, are you okay? Spencer grabbed his stomach, bolted out the front doors. I tried to yell to O'Brien to go after him, but I had lost the ability to talk again. And instead, I just closed my eyes and waited. I got to ride in an ambulance, which is pretty cool. (laughs) I also got to take Christmas Day off from work, which is the closest thing to a Christmas miracle I'm going to get, so I'll take it. The others all came in and visited me at the hospital in shifts. Somebody has to stay and watch the gas station. And I even got to eat, like, ten packs of chocolate pudding. There's a nurse here that I suspect is a thing for me because she keeps sneaking me extra desserts. Once again, the official report is that nothing supernatural happened, Saul's disappearance, my beating, the damage to the gas station, and all the blood were blamed on Spencer. The others have absolutely no recollection of the night, and I'm left with no proof besides my notoriously shaky memory, which is why I decided to write it all down before I forgot anything. All in all, it wasn't the worst Christmas I've ever had. On Christmas Day, the nurse brought me a neatly gift-wrapped box. I asked who it was from, and she just smiled and said somebody special had dropped it off for me. I unwrapped and opened it to find another smaller box. I unwrapped it to find another box, and inside that box, another smaller box. The last box was small enough to fit inside the palm of my hand. Somebody had gone through a lot of trouble for this, and I was starting to get very uneasy about this. I finally opened the last box and confirmed my suspicion. Inside that last box were two things. A small paper note, and my severed finger. The note only had three words on it, in a dried brown ink. Merry Christmas, Jack. (laughs) Merry Christmas,
1: Merry Christmas. (laughs) That's Spencer at the end. I think so. He, he always gets away, you know, he always, he always gets, gets what he wants. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see, it, it feels like something happened between this and Christmas. Yeah. And I'm interested to see where, categorically speaking, that might've landed. Um, let me check real quick. 'Cause I caught I thought Christmas was weirdly up on the list. But now that I think about it well, the, the whole something weird came into the gas station might have happened. Carlos before is that.
0: Carlos is dead.
1: I guess Carlos is dead and there was a girl apparently that Jack was romantic with at one I point. I guess so. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get there. A murder at the gas station? Carlos oh, <laughs> perhaps something weird came into the gas station I don't know we'll we'll definitely continue the gas station series and kind of uh find find a a place to lump this in but I I don't I don't feel bad having read this out no. of order yeah. I I feel like if if the author of this had intended it to go in an order you know I we would be reading his book and not his no sleep yeah. you know anecdotes as he kind of releases them sporadically I think um I think the series about Ben or the 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 spin-off series is actually still going. So I I don't know. I don't even know what to say about that. Um I really liked that. I I it has almost nothing to do with Christmas, which is why I don't feel bad about this not being like an official Christmas episode. Um but I do I do like the kind of snowy atmosphere yeah, yeah, it felt- trapped in the middle of a blizzard. You know, it's it felt very like it felt like if if they were to release a Christmas related horror film that only loosely had relation to Christmas it would come out in like the first 2 weeks of December.
0: It's almost it's almost you know? like the story was written like for a writing contest where the one prompt was you have to include you have, you have to include Christmas.
1: Christmas. Yeah, I mean, I think I think this author kind of jumps around the creature of the week, you know, and and it kind of says what what do I want to do here? I I don't know Sagoth. I don't know Shapeshifters. I don't know any of Samoan rituals or any, any weird shit that came up while we were recording. I, I really don't know anything about any of that. But I feel like the author really wanted to do another, like we're trapped in the gas station again, but this time, instead of, like, a undead cult, we're now dealing with, like, a big old monster, you know? And that, that hadn't happened before, so, you know, I, I feel like he has a checklist for his his yeah. gas station series. He's saying like, here's where we're, we'll develop this a little bit more. We'll develop this a little bit more. I, I am interested to see where like things with O'Brien and Rosa go. I don't think that either of them were bad characters and, and they both survived, which is good for them. Cause I felt bad for Carlos when we read his sections. He just kept, he kept killing Kiefer in like every scene he was in. And I just felt so bad for him. Um, but O'Brien seems to have a good head on her shoulder, and Rosa seems to have some some secret sleep paralysis kind of yeah, that was, omen thing that going was really on. Weird. It's it's funny. I the 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 gas station pulls in as much dark obscure energy as much as it puts out. So you know, Rosa Rosa was drawn to this job
0: for a reason. I mean, the the whole Donald Glover bit <laughs> probably. Worked so much better because of.
1: I even looked at you and said, "Is this like a fan fiction now?" Because we're we're tapping into the realm of what we know as readers and and something pop pop fictiony. You know, it, it for a second there, it could have been cringy, but but it wasn't because it played into the plot. <laughs> it could have been cringy. It could have been it. I didn't want it to go the fan fiction route. I really didn't. So I'm glad it didn't.
0: It, it, yeah, it, it just felt more of like the, that element of randomness well, it, in, the, in the writing.
1: It also speaks to the shapeshifter's morality a little bit. It It knew that it was going to be categorized as something to be afraid of, so what it did was it introduced itself as someone they knew, someone that they would want to invite into the station, mm. and someone that they would inherently trust, which is... <laughs> Emmy-winning, you know, uh, talented musician, author, actor. So how do you think Donald Spencer?
0: Clever. How do you think Spencer was knocked unconscious at the beginning? Was it the shapeshifter or Segoff or probably Segoff? No clue. No clue. It's
1: they're... it's hard to say because uh, noises on the roof. Maybe it's hard. It's hard to say just because story-wise, uh, they're they're. There are too many moments where we forget who's back in the room and who's still walking around outside, and yeah. and I don't know. Is there one shapeshifter? Is there multiple? Does Sagoth just take that demon form, or is there something else we need to be worried about? Because because Ben was wrong about the shapeshifter. The shapeshifter was there for a good reason. So you know, like where and when was it? Was it changing its positions? Because. um, the O'Brien who walked in was not the O'Brien they pushed into the cooler, and I, I think that was the shapeshifter that they that they threw in there. I think Spencer was the one always tied to the chair. Um, but, you know, they, they had to fight, and obviously the Spencer that ran out of there was the real Spencer, because yeah. at that point she turned into Rosa. So it, it's, you know, there's a way that you can follow it, but I really don't think it matters to the plot at all, because... I have no idea what Spencer wanted to sacrifice the shapeshifter to, but the boss, this... whatever new boss he has, some some new Lovecraftian god. I'm I'm not excited to to find out what Spencer's new deal is. That that's the least interesting thing about the plot to me. I he he could he could suck dick from any deity that he he so chooses but <laughs> it's as long as the as long as Jack Townsend is there to tell the story I'm on board. I I love that you reflect with the character so much and I enjoy doing all the character voices. So I think we have a good balance when we read this material because you you like the author, you like the way he writes and you like the way that Jack talks, so you can always resonate with that. Um, and I'm always down for character acting. So yeah,
0: I, I really like Jack. Like I, I think he's just a really funny character. That's good. Why you don't think so? No, I it,
1: I'm. I. I. As we move forward to the two hundredth episode, I. I like to hear reinforcement like that. Jack is a character in in the two hundredth special. Oh. <laughs> there. There is a gas station. And Jack is the, the one working the, the cash the cash register. <laughs> um, yeah, I there there are so many good things uh, to take from this series, and it's not just the believable kind of uh, <laughs> there's I want to play the who's opening to Baba O'Reilly in the background and slowly zoom in on Jack sitting in this gas station going. Yeah, I know you're wondering, how did I get here? <laughs> you know, Well, it's a story and let me tell you. <laughs> I I think that um knowing that this guy is published, like good for you, man. Like keep doing keep doing your stuff, keep writing your stuff. Um we're obviously fans of your material. Um, I hope people like listening to this Because we like reading it um, It's not going to be the only thing I read with Tenron I have too many other things I want to read with him uh, Too many other things <laughs> I want to do But uh, I think we will Come back to this every You know, every once in a while yeah. Every year at least to, to see what Jack is up to um, As long as the guy keeps writing it You know, we'll, we'll keep reading it However much else there is Uh Tenron thoughts
0: uh i'd like to end with a a christmas hymn if that's okay yeah let's go for it oh come in my asshole (laughs) come inside my asshole oh come in my ass oh christ
1: you have it right there folks you have a wonderful christmas and a happy fucking new year I uh, hope you're ready for Frowns' sh- shitty fucking hosting next week, because that's what you're in for. So get ready for that shit. Tenron, thank you so much for joining me. Merry Christmas.
0: <laughs> and a holidays. Happy New Year. <sighs> I'm tired. I'm gonna go fucking shit in the toilet. Away to the day's end when the moon is high. until we stand at the shore